Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversation with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Ah, uh, yes. In a world of questions, we've got answers. And in a world of problems, we've got solutions. And on that note, I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be absolute jam-packed four hours tonight we could probably go eight hours we're going to jam it into four wall-to-wall continued nfl playoffs coverage analysis previews predictions we'll have some best bets in about 15 minutes aaron torres is going to join us our college basketball guru time to pivot there's news there's a season underway that's been somewhat buried, but we're going to fill you in on all that. Of course, midnight, our NBA guru, Mark Medina, always plenty of storylines, not the least of which is Anthony Davis ever going to play again. Yeah, we've got the latest on the tale of two quarterbacks, uh, Lamar Jackson, Tom Brady, brand new fool, what my name. It goes on and on and on. And as you know, sports are entertainment, but they're more than that. They're a shared experience as such. People want to talk about them. So, yep, you've come to the right place. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. Welcome into the Bernie Frattle Show. We'll take you all the way to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. And as they say in Bud Grant, Minnesota, Bud Grant, now 93 years young, great coach of the Vikings, helped lead him to four Super Bowls. As they say in Bud Grant, Minnesota, it's going to be lit. Something about this level of the playoffs, there's a certain shrewdness that takes over, right? Uh, So much for the Jalen Hurts shoulder injury affecting the Eagles in the playoffs. Once again, the groupthink echo chamber. And by the way, not for nothing, when two divisional teams meet for the third time in the playoffs, the dog covers 64% of the time. Remember, Miami did it last week, and so did Baltimore. However, there's a little something different. I think rumors of the demise 
of the Philadelphia Eagles, as it were, were greatly exaggerated. You know, back to the shrewdness thing, back to the cleverness. There was a the Chicago Bears once had a young tight end many, many years ago by the name of Tim Reitman out of UCLA. He actually had gone to uh, Mary Star of the Sea High School in Southern California, same high school as David Gascon. Well, in one of Tim Reitman's first games ever, Tim was a very bright young man. He lined up across from Lawrence Taylor of the New York Giants. Taylor snarled, got right up in his grill and says, Sonny, when that ball is snapped, I'm going to the left. I'm going to knock your quarterback on his butt, put him out of the game. There's nothing you can do about it, and it's going to be all your fault. Well, Tim Reitman knew the cadence. And just before the ball was snapped, he looked at Lawrence Taylor and said, Mr. Taylor, is that your left or my left? Taylor was temporarily stunned. Reitman fired off the ball, hit him in the nuts, subdued his man. The play was sprung. Lawrence Taylor kind of smiled. He got a kick out of that. That's the kind of shrewdness that it takes that when you get to this level of the playoffs that determines whether you go on or you've hit your Murphy's, you've hit your Peter principle, as it were. I put Jalen Hurts in one of those shrewd categories. I love the dude, man. He just became the second Eagles player with two pass touchdowns, one rush touchdown in a playoff game, joining Donovan McNabb on that exclusive list. Eagles cruise 38-7 over the Giants. This game was never close. When the Eagles led 7-0, the Giants moved the ball, got down to the 38-yard line, 4th and 8. Brian Dable got cute. I'm thinking to myself, this isn't the Vikings. And then there ended up being a covered sack, and it could have been you know, uh, uh, a penalty having to do with, uh, uh, with intentional grounding, but they weren't. The bottom line is this. The Eagles are heading to their seventh NFC Championship game in the last 20 years. It's not a bad record. Their second in five years. Hurts 60-24, 254, two touchdowns, a 112 passer rating. Had nine carries, 34 yards and a touchdown. I just like his decision-making. And this is all in the first half. The Eagles took a 28-0 lead. They cruised to victory. There were no Brandon Staley's. I realize he's the smartest guy in the world. Just ask him. And I could go into my litany and Brandon Staley, but I'm not going to confuse people who think he's the smartest guy in the world. What do I care? This is sports talk radio here. We're not trying to solve the world's problems. Well, actually, we are. But we're not going to solve the Staley one. By the way, give it up to the defense. They took over the game early. Hassan Reddick, a couple of sacks for the Eagles in the first half on consecutive plays. The Giants just could not move the ball when they needed to. James Bradbury had an interception. On the Giants' second possession, everybody contributed. This was the first interception by an Eagle cornerback in 10 weeks. But again, high leverage moments. Now all of a sudden, Philly's got a 14-0 lead at that point in the game. Then Boston Scott, love the dude, all five foot six, And size means nothing. Not in my world. You can either play or you can't. He scored a touchdown in the second quarter, now it's 21-0. He's 11 touchdown in nine career games versus the Giants. Boston Scott has 19 career touchdowns, but against the Giants, he's got 11. And, uh, and then, of course, you know, as I mentioned, Jalen Hurts, he, he rushes for a touchdown, and that caps off the first half. And at that point, the Eagles just milk the clock. They knew what to do. They're not going to, you know, Brandon Staley you. Sorry, Brandon. I hope you're listening on 570. I'm a big fan. Actually, I'm not. But I hope you're listening anyway. 
Why do the Eagles win? Because you got a guy who's a full MVP caliber player in Jalen Hurts, who's smart, who's shrewd, who's like a Tim Reitman. When it matters most, this is a dude I want in a foxhole. Yes, all day, every day. Miles Sanders, thanks to Jalen Hurts and his ability to make the right decision. Miles Sanders had open running lanes all night. And, you know, the, the Eagles defense made it look easy. They got up, you know, in Daniel Jones' grill, and it was one of those situations. The Eagles, all of a sudden, after, you know, the last three weeks where they just kind of they kind of cruised in, they looked like the peak version of themselves, the one you saw during the 2022 season, despite having sort of a bit of a, a conservative approach in Week 18. Hertz was just, you know, recovering from a shoulder injury, but he looked very rejuvenated. And Devontae Smith, everything you could ever ask for. Dallas Godert, he gets these guys the ball. He spreads it around. Kenneth Gainwell delivers a, you know, there's a guy who runs with purpose. I mean, I mean look at all the weapons. These guys are going to be a brutal out. This could be a chalk tournament. You could see Kansas City, and I'll get to them in a minute. You could, you could see a Kansas City-Philadelphia Super Bowl. We, we shall see. Okay, let's look on the other side of the ball. Both Brian Dable and Wink Martindale they failed to get that roster to elevate themselves in a way that they did at Minnesota last week and the way they did all year. And you've really got to give them, t- you know, tip of the cap to the New York Giants, okay? They had their Super Bowl last week. I guess in many ways we should have seen this coming. I did not play the game. Uh, the, I played the under in the Chiefs game. I didn't touch this game. And, again, I saw some knucklehead on that other network Say, yeah, tease the Eagles up to 14, or tease the Giants up to 14. You don't do that. You completely killed the math. Again, something we'll get to maybe in the fifth hour. But look, I think the future's bright in New York, and Brian Dable's got this team on the right trajectory. But for tonight, they were outplayed, they were outcoached, they were overmatched in every single phase from the jump. Those is just the facts, ma'am. The turning point, I think the Eagles, when they went up two scores right out of the gate, Jalen Hurts, first he gets the ball to Devontae Smith, then goaded on back-to-back TD series out of the gate. New York, you know, goes down on their drive. They turn the ball over on downs. They went, I mentioned that earlier, it was near midfield. It was more like the 39-yard line. But, you know, even when they were down 14-0, the Giants had some life. They hit, uh, Matt Breida caught a pass over the middle from Daniel Jones for 20 yards. But then on the very next play, Jones does not see the free rusher coming right up the gut. Give it up to Philadelphia and and dialing it up. Uh, uh, um, Steve Spagnolo. Nobody wants to see that a, a gap blitz coming at you, uh, running free. Even, even Tom Brady, especially Tom Brady, and that just kind of just sent notice that no, whatever you guys are going to do, uh, you know, we're going to be one step ahead of you. And, and and I give it up to Daniel Jones. He got the ball out of his hand, but it was kind of an ill-advised throw. He threw it across the middle, and who's he throw it to? A former teammate, James Bradbury, he picks it off. And even though the Eagles didn't score on that possession, the momentum was confirmed. The Eagles had it. The Giants were not going to get it back. End of story. All right, the Chiefs. Give it up to the Chiefs. 27-20. As I mentioned to Aaron and and uh, I almost said Arnie. Aaron and, and Jason Martin. Catch him every Saturday night from 7 to 11 Pacific. They do a great job. Chiefs to the slaughterhouse. People keep backing the Chiefs. Chiefs were, they opened up, what, eight, went to eight and a half, nine, cleared nine and a half. Seventy-six percent of the tickets were on the Chiefs, even though the Kansas City Chiefs were five and 12 against the spread this year. It's, you know, Kansas, you're going to pay that tax, and that's just the way it is. Uh, 
I, I give I give Jacksonville credit for competing. It was 27-17. Uh, Jamal Agnew fumbles inside the five-yard line. That was a crushing blow to Jags betters, but then the Jags force a punt. Trevor Lawrence then throws in a pick. They, so they turn it over two out of three plays. But you got to like the resiliency of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think the future is very bright for them, too. Um, 39 passes on the night. And, and if, by the way, that's a that's a prop bet they hit. As the over under for of uh, Trevor Lawrence was thirty eight and a half passes, he went over, got five more yards. That was the difference. Riley Patterson comes on, hits a forty eight yard field goal. That mattered to some folks. Yeah, it mattered to folks who were the sharp folks. I know they were on the Jaguars. I said it yesterday. I like the under in the game. That was my favorite play. Typical Andy Reid, get out on top, run the balls. Casey's got a pretty good uh, power running game. And so they're going to close you out. The game stayed under. I got it at 52 and a half. But I wasn't going to touch the side because I knew that back door would be open. It would stay open, and you're always paying that Chiefs tax. It's just the way it is. The, piece, the Chiefs, and maybe it's fair to say, the Chiefs might have won by double digits with a completely healthy Patrick Mahomes. When you look at the metrics, most of the, most of the uh, uh, passes he threw after he came back in, almost all, you know, we're, we're between the you know tackles and and in and in the pocket. He didn't, you know, he was not himself. But he's getting treatment. He's going to have eight days. And regardless of whether it's a neutral field game uh, against uh, Buffalo or they're hosting Cincinnati next week, I think you'll see uh, Patrick Mahomes ready to go. And it, it should be should be an epic matchup coming up. We're going to pivot ever so briefly. To college basketball, there's a full-blown season going on with plenty of storylines and some oddball news off the court, plus some interesting matchups. And what the hell happened to the Pac-12? They're they're down. Anyway, we'll cover as much as we can with Aaron Torres. Hey, football fans, be sure to tune in to Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM, every Saturday and Sunday morning, three hours before kickoff. Tune in Saturday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern, Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, as we take you live all the way to kickoff on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app presented by BetMGM. I'm Bernie Fratto. We are coming to you live from the Fox Sports Radio studios here in Las Vegas, the TireRack.com studios. So keep it locked right here. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. Polly Fusco here with Tony Fusco. Yo. As you all know, we're the host of the number one rated show in all of sports talk, the Polly and Tony Fusco Show. Numero uno. Yeah, and we know why millions of people tune in every week. Yeah. They want to hear us talk sports, not our idiot guests who think they know more about sports than we do. Yeah, listen to these dummies. You don't know crap about sports. Nothing. Uh, you don't know nothing uh, about football. This is the worst thing Wait, I've ever seen. he's still on the line. Get off the show. Off the show. You don't know basketball. If you want to hear how sports talk should be done, yeah. listen to the Polly and Tony Fusco Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. All right, back on the Bernie Fratto Show, coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here at Fox Sports Radio in Las Vegas. At this time, let's welcome in a gentleman. You hear him every Saturday night, 7 p.m. to 11 Pacific, along with Jason Martin. Do a great job. He's also our college basketball guru here at Fox Sports Radio. Say hello to Aaron Torres. Aaron, long time no talk. I know, Bernie. I feel like I was just chatting with you like, I don't know, like a half hour ago or something. It feels like it hasn't been that long. So, hey, uh, before I get into some college basketball stuff, I want to get your quick take on that, Reed. I just feel like this book's missing a chapter. What am I missing? Certainly, um, I don't think we'll ever fully know the full story. Um, I definitely think Ed Reed's uh, comments today left left some interpretation. And so, uh, look, I mean, listen, HBCUs, I don't think it's a secret that they're underfunded and it's really tough to win, Burn, You know people in this business. I know coaches that have coached there. I could give you a million examples. It's just really tough. There's just not a lot of money. Um, and I think when you look at the Ed Reed situation, a couple things stand out. One, he seemed to imply that, you know, there was some nefarious stuff going on. But beyond that, what I would just say is, as somebody who's been around sports, who knows people who know Ed Reed, one thing stood out as I kind of made phone calls today is that Ed Reed is a guy who, when he played football, he got every ounce out of his ability because nobody's going to outwork them. Nobody's going to this. Nobody's going to that. I mean, I've had NFL players tell me that when they played with him, they never worked harder than when they played with him. That's I had right. people that played with him at Miami who said, we worked harder at Miami because Ed Reed pushed me than I did in the NFL. And so I bring it up because he's not a guy that's going to put up with nonsense. And I think he was getting quite a bit of nonsense at Bethune-Cookman, was promised things that were not going to be met. Um, again, it, it was some of it nefarious, maybe some people doing some things that they shouldn't. Those are the things, as you said, Bernie, that I think we'll never uncover. 
But Ed Reed is not a guy that's going to sit around and, and just be along for a ride. He's kind of the guy, kind of guy that's either all in or not. Um, and I don't think Bethune-Cookman is all in right now. And so, you know, maybe that's a financial thing. Maybe it's an administrative thing. Maybe it's a whatever. But as I said with Jason when we got off the phone with you a half an hour or so ago, Bernie, I think it's probably the smart move not only for Bethune-Cookman but for Ed Reed as well. Um, don't know that he wants to attach his coaching career to a place that isn't going to, you know, give him the resources that he was promised to succeed. But as you said, a very bizarre story that, as you also said, I don't think we'll ever get the full details on. Well, I'm a huge, full disclosure, I'm a huge Ed Reed fan. Uh, as a person and as a Hall of Fame NFL player, he knows what excellence looks like. This, feel, yep. to me, feels like a shame. I'm going to follow this story. I, I want to find out what's going on. All right. Uh, Bronny James, I understand, has uh, narrowed his uh, you know, decision to three schools, including USC and Ohio State, but he might not make his decision till the end of February. My gut tells me he'd play at USC so his dad can watch him play. But someone I talked to last week in the Midwest said Ohio State's going to get him. What, what are your thoughts? Well, um, it's one of the most unique recruitments really ever. Um, you know, one, he's, he's super high profile. But, you know, you and I were talking a little bit off air the other day, Bernie. It, it's a fascinating deal because he's actually a, a very nice player. But he's not like a one-and-done instant impact player. And, um, you know, but his father said vocally, I want to play with him in the NBA, which implies that his dad wants him in the NBA as fast as possible. And so um, I bring it up to say that, you know, I think it's really limited who is actually interested in Bronny because you're going to have a circus, and that's not through the kid's fault. I'm not blaming Bronny for that. But you're going to have a circus because of who he is. But maybe of equal importance – there's going to be an inherent pressure to play him, not only because of who he is, but because his dad has basically made it clear that he only plans on having him in college for one year. So I'm with you. If I had to handicap it, I still kind of think it's Ohio State. He made multiple visits in the fall for some of the big football games. I know he was there for the Ohio State-Notre Dame game in football, and I forget which other one, um, but he's made multiple visits. The family obviously has ties to Ohio. Remember, he went to high school, uh, middle school in Ohio as well. Uh, that would be my guess, but I don't even think Bronny James knows totally where he's going right now. But it's a very unique recruitment because there's just a lot of elements that are totally different for him than any other recruit out there. Talk with Aaron Torres, starting to pivot to college basketball. Northwestern started out 12-5. and five. They're having a good year. They get beat by Michigan and Ann Arbor this past week. But they canceled their last two games due to COVID. This just feels weird in this climate. How is that happening? You know, Bernie, this is one I, I really, you know, I saw the headlines and I, I really didn't look too much into it just because I, I don't really care. Um, now, I will say I, I still think everybody's <laughs> testing because this is cold and flu season. And as you know, Bernie, the, the, the flu rips through locker rooms and you want to kind of isolate these situations. Um, you know, my, my alma mater, UConn, Dan Hurley, actually missed the scene Hall game on Wednesday because he tested positive for COVID. I think they wanted him away from the team. But to actually cancel games, to me, was pretty jarring and shocking. And I think what, what I was thinking about when it came to this was, is this something that Northwestern plans on doing in perpetuity? Because we're essentially in, in year four of COVID, right? 2020, the season gets canceled. 2021, we basically play the whole college season in a bubble. 2022, last year, it was back to full stadiums, but we were still canceling games. 
these are the first games that are being canceled that I know of in 2023. And I just sit there and say, if you're still canceling games because your players have COVID, is this something that you're planning on doing from now until the end of time? So it's something that probably only the administration at Northwestern could answer. But I find it very weird that they're still canceling games. I, I think it's to the detriment of their team because, you know, Bernie, they're, as you said, they're, they're having a pretty decent season, and there's no guarantee. You know the Big Ten schedule. They play two, sometimes three games in a week. There's no guarantee you can make up these games. And if it somehow costs, you know, Northwestern an NCAA tournament bid because they lost two games on the schedule that were, you know, what we call quad one, quad two opportunities, high-level opportunities against good competition – I think that administration is going to have some tough questions to answer at the end of the year if that were to happen. All right, another big name in the news, John Calipari. So you, we know that a couple of years ago he signed that $86 million deal, lifetime contract. Kentucky's having a bit of a rough year since signing that contract. I believe Kentucky's only been to the tournament once and they lost to St. Peter's. Here's where I'm going with this, Aaron. So <clears> – <throat> The Chris Barrett situation happens in Texas. He's out. Now there are rumors that maybe Calipari leaves Kentucky and goes to Texas. Are, are, are there any credence to those rumors? Well, Kentucky's on a three-game win streak. And what I would say is, you know, Kentucky, it, I, I always say it's the only college basketball program that's covered like a college football program. In other words, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Alabama football. When things go bad, when you have one loss at Ohio State, it's DEFCON whatever. What's wrong? How does it get fixed? And that's how Kentucky basketball is covered. So the temperature is definitely cooler than it was 10 days ago. But what I've been told is that Calipari – listen, this isn't even I've been told. This is common knowledge. Calipari hears everything that's said about him. He says he doesn't read, but he does. Um, There was a report from The Athletic that he does not get along with the AD at all. And I think he also knows everything that all the fan base has said about him. And so my understanding is if Texas comes to him with a real offer for comparable money, now he's got a huge buyout if he gets fired at Kentucky, but I think his buyout is essentially zero if he leaves for somewhere else. I've been told that if Texas comes to him with a real offer similar to what he, he's making at Kentucky for similar years, not only that he would consider it, I, I think he would. He, there's a very good chance that he would take it. Now, couple variables one he's got to keep winning for texas to be interested in him um but two on the flip side you know if they keep winning if the temperature cools then he might be able to leverage kentucky for some more money or he might be able to leverage them for some of the things he wants off the court most notably that practice facility that led to the big brouhaha over the summer with the basketball school comments that he made when the team was in the bahamas all that good stuff so if i had to handicap it i would still say with like 85 percent certainty that he is going to be the head coach at Kentucky next year. But I have very much heard that if if Texas comes to him with a real offer, he is very much going to consider it and potentially going to take it as well. Yeah, I I think this is going to be fun to watch. I know Pat Forty said he thinks he's staying, but uh, I don't think Calipari is happy. All right, Aaron, hang right there. Uh, We have three big conference matchups, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. And a buddy of mine who fashions himself as an as a college basketball handicapper has strong opinions on those three. So I'll have you grade his handicap and give me your thoughts. But first, let's go to our guy Nick Cope with the latest. 
All right, thank you, Bernie. We had some good games in college basketball on Saturday, including in the Pac-12. Number 11, Arizona, ended number 5, UCLA's 14-game winning streak, a 58-52 win in Tucson. Number 14, TCU, handed number 2, Kansas, a second consecutive loss, 83-60. TCU blowing out the Jayhawks in Lawrence, second-worst home loss for Kansas. Number 6, Gonzaga, survived a scare on the road against Pacific. 99 to 90. Number 18, Charleston. One of the great stories at the mid-major level. They won their 18th in a row, blowing out Northwestern 87 to 61. In the NFL, Chiefs beat the Jaguars 27 to 20. Despite Patrick Mahomes battling an ankle injury, left the game of the first half. X-rays came back negative at halftime, and Mahomes would finish the game. ESPN reports he will have an MRI tomorrow. In the NFC, the Eagles throttled the Giants 38 to 7. Three total touchdowns. Touchdowns for Jalen Hurts. Philly defense held the Giants to just 227 total yards. Here's Eagles coach Nick Sirianni. Our focus is, hey, we're climbing this mountain. We're close to the top. Don't look at the top yet, though. Look at the steps that you have to make this week. And that's been the message the entire year. Eagles will host the winner of 49ers-Cowboys in the NFC Championship game next weekend. In the NBA, the Celtics won their ninth in a row, fending off the Raptors on the road, 106-104. Boston was without Jason Tatum in that one. Bucks star Giannis Antetokounmpo missed his fifth game in a row with a knee injury. Bucks fell to the Cavs, 114-102. Sixers won their fifth in a row, 129-127 over the Kings, despite not having Joel Embiid or James Harden. And the Suns beat the Pacers, 112-107. At the Australian Open, the women's top seed Iga Swiatek falls in the round of 16 to last year's Wimbledon champ Elena Rybakina. Young American Coco Gauff also out. On the men's side, American Sebastian Korda followed up his win over Daniil Medvedev with a five-set win over 10-seed Hubert Hercatch. And so Korda is now into the quarterfinals for the first time in his career at the Grand Slam level. Bernie, back to you. All right, thanks, Nick. All right, Aaron, let's have a little fun. In about nine and a half hours, there's a Big Ten matchup, and uh, Indiana will host Michigan State. Indiana laying four. My buddy likes Indiana to cover the number, setting the fact that this is kind of a home-and-home series, and Indiana number three overall nationally in field goal percentage. How do you grade that handicap? Um, you know, I'll just be blunt. I, I, don't, I wouldn't bet any Indiana game right now. I mean, they're down two starters, including their starting point guard. Um, and, it really, and, and by the way, their second-best player, Jalen Huchifino, is also kind of in and out of the lineup. He's, he played on Thursday night. But I, it just feels like a total stay away to me, to be perfectly honest, Bernie. Um, you know, Indiana's coming off a huge road win against Illinois. You know as well as anybody being as tied in in the Big Ten as you are. Um, Indiana has not handled success well, like I don't know, over the last 30 years or so, Bernie. So um, no, it's probably right. the right – yeah, it's probably the right side. There's just – I just can't get excited about betting Indiana. They should win that game at home. But just, again, combination of injuries with a team that hasn't been able to sustain success for literally decades now just makes it a stay away from me. No, that's a good point, Aaron. I don't like laying points to Tom Izzo ever. And Indiana started out 7-0 and in December, and to your point, they don't, for whatever reason, they don't handle prosperity. All right, let's go to the ACC on Monday night. Uh, this game, by the way, uh, how do you grade John Shire? I mean, he takes over for a legend, 42 years, Coach K. What Duke's like 13 and five, but they're only four and three in ACC play. 
Uh, my buddy likes uh, Duke to beat Virginia Tech Monday night by double digits. Your thoughts? Wow, that's interesting. The reason being is that they're one in four, and I know this because I looked it up not too long ago. I believe the stat is either one in three, one in four straight up in road games. The one win was to was at Boston College by one point. So they're one in four and zero and five in true road games this year, or uh, one in four straight up zero and five against the spread in true road games this year. So to go to Virginia Tech, it's a tough place to play. Virginia Tech's not playing pretty well. I would actually lean Virginia Tech in that one just because the numbers say this isn't a very good team. With Shire, I, th- I thought this game was break. at Duke. Am I wrong? I thought the game was at Duke. Am I wrong? I. Uh, if, unless I'm mistaken, I could be. I mean, I've made many mistakes before. I, I would love for you to confirm that for me. Um, I thought it was at Virginia Tech. I don't know if you can grab that really quick or not. Um, but what okay, I would, thanks, I would Brandon. Say about, Brandon. Brandon just confirmed it's, uh, it's at Virginia Tech. Go ahead, Aaron. Sorry. Yeah, no, I was just going to say the Shire stuff is interesting. I think it's hard to evaluate him because two of their three star freshmen have basically dealt with injuries all year. Um, but listen, you're replacing a legend, and, and nobody wants excuses. They want results. So I think it's tough to grade him. Derek Whitehead, who was in some services the number one player in America, Derek Lively, who was in some services the number one player in America, both of them have dealt with injuries. But to the, to the question about the, the game itself, Bern, I'm telling you, man, uh, on the road they've really struggled this year, and, and I think Brandon just confirmed it is at Virginia Tech, so I would probably lean Hokies in that one. All right, final game, Tuesday night in the SEC. Now, we talked when when uh, Kentucky got embarrassed at South Carolina a couple weeks back. Actually, not long, it was January 10th. Then they come right back and beat a very good Tennessee team. That was a monster upset, I think. That and I, what you know, what was their home court winning streak in, in, in Tennessee at that point? I mean, they they smashed it, whatever it was. Regardless, my buddy likes Vanderbilt to beat Kentucky outright Tuesday. Your thoughts? It's funny. I think Vanderbilt can keep it competitive. I'll be curious to see what the line opens up at. First of all, you know this, Burn. Memorial Gym's a tough place to play. It's a weird setup. The benches are behind the baskets. A um, couple things beyond that. One, Vanderbilt's playing pretty well at home. They did just lose to Alabama the other day, but they beat Arkansas pretty convincingly a week ago uh, when Arkansas was ranked in the top 25. And two, you know, Kentucky, it's kind of a sandwich game, right? They're, they're on a three-game win streak right now, just had an emotional win over Texas A&M at home, um, you know, rally to win that game. And they play Kansas at home next Saturday at Rupp Arena. And so you got to go on the road. I would guess they'll probably be somewhere close to a double-digit road favorite. I definitely am with your buddy in terms of definitely taking the points because I don't think Kentucky will be favored. Um, but I, I don't know if I, if I think they'll win, if I think they'll lose outright, but I don't think it's out of the question at all. So I definitely agree with your buddy on that one. I kind of like their coach, Jerry Stackhouse, for obvious reasons. I think, he's, I think he's done a pretty good job at Vanderbilt. Do you agree? He is a guy – I'll say this. He he was a successful – I don't think people realize he was coaching at the professional level. He was the G League coach of the year before he got to Vanderbilt. And I think the first few years, I, I don't I, – I'm positive of this. I don't think he was committed as he needed to be to recruit, especially in the SEC with John Calipari, Bruce Pearl, Eric Musselman, whatever. Um, but he is, from an X's and O's perspective, as sharp as anybody. Um, late last year, he had his team playing really well when they had Scottie Pippen Jr. Unfortunately, Scottie Pippen Jr. left early for the pros. 
I'm with you. I think he's a good X's and O's guy that's starting to understand the importance of recruiting. I think you have a lot of these guys that come from the professional ranks that think, oh, I, you know, I've been in the NBA for this long. No, it's, it's still about having the dudes. It's still about having the guys. Jerry Stackhouse is learning that. I think as long as he has time, he's going to turn Vanderbilt into a respectable program. Aaron, let's get you on again closer to conference tournament time. And, oh, by the way, I just got my credential for the West Regional, which is going to be here in Las Vegas at the T-Mobile. You coming in for that? I know I'm going to be at the Final Four, so I'm debating if I want to do back-to-back weeks on the road. I mean, I've, I've done it many times in my life, but I haven't decided yet. I probably should put in the credential just in case, but I hope I do because then I'll see you over there, man. I'm excited, though. I think yeah, it's I think great it's March 22nd and 24th. It might be a couple weeks before the Final Four, but and that's in Houston, by the way. Uh, but, yeah, you know, it's still time, but uh, definitely let's get you on uh, as we get closer to conference tournament time. Anytime you need me, Bernie, man, you know I love speaking with you, and I speak for myself and Jason Marr when I say we both appreciate you making time for us every Saturday. So thank you for what you do, and obviously anytime you need me, I'd love to uh, I'd love to be part of your show. All right, buddy. Enjoy your Sunday. Thanks so much. Thank you, Bernie. That is Aaron Torres. You hear him every Saturday night with Jason Martin. Uh, 7 to 11 p.m. do a great job. They pull no punches. And, of course, uh, Aaron, who's been with the network about six years now, part up, paired up with the legendary Arnie Spanier for a bit of time as well. Not a bit of time, half a decade. All right. Coming up, we flip back to the NFL. I got a couple of bets I really like on Sunday. One having to do with the Bengals and one having to do with the prop bet on the uh, Cowboys 49ers game. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios, the TireRack.com studios. So keep it locked right here. You're listening to the uh, Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Thank you. 
Back on the Bernie Frato Show, coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios, the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas. Coming up top of the hour, Mark Medina, our NBA guru, a little midnight Medina magic. A lot of stuff to cover in the NBA. But first, by the way, uh, the divisional, uh, we're, we're going to continue with a lot of heavy NFL stuff throughout the show. But we got to cover it all. And I would, to, Sunday's games, and we're just, what, 12 hours away from from the kickoff between a very much anticipated game between Cincinnati and Buffalo. The storylines surrounding that game are endless. And once Cincinnati got to six, I said to myself, I'm going to grab Cincinnati plus the six. Not telling you what to do, but, you know, I had the under yesterday in, in, the, uh, in, the, in the game with uh, Kansas City and Jacksonville. Look, I am a huge Joe Burrow fan, and I, I get it all week that the line ran because of the three offensive linemen. Hello, Cincinnati's offensive linemen have been a dumpster fire for two years now. That hasn't stopped Joe Burrow from completing 68% of his passes. The Bengals averaged 27 points per game. By the way, did you notice last week Skylar Thompson put up 31 points on the Buffalo Bills? Burrow gets the damn ball out of his hand. He, he's, a, he's a master class on how to play quarterback. And part of it is their offensive scheme. Cincinnati runs a lot of fade stop routes, a lot of quick strikes, a lot of screen passes. He gets the ball out of his hand. Joel Burrow is a winner. They were punching Buffalo's ticket for that extremely unfortunate incident, and thank God it's working out. Lamar Hamlin seems like distant memory now, three weeks ago. So this is an interesting game Sunday that's going to really, well, it's going to decide whether or not there's a neutral site conference championship game or whether uh, if Cincinnati wins, they'll travel to Kansas City. Defensively, Cincinnati has been, they've continued to be very opportunistic as well. In, in their five postseason appearances in the last two years, 11 takeaways, 11 playoff takeaways alone. They're averaging two per game. They're five and one of those games. Josh Allen has accounted for 19 turnovers himself this season. Cincinnati's defense is better than you think it is. They'll give you your yards between the 20s, but you get into that red zone, they're going to press you, they're going to bracket you, they're going to make life very, very difficult. Scoring touchdown, Cincinnati's defense ranks fourth in the NFL in terms of red zone defense allowing touchdowns. And again, turnovers, not just Josh Allen, Buffalo, they turned the ball over in 16% of their possessions this year. That's good for 31st in the National Football League, only ahead of the Colts. Could Cincinnati win that game outright? Yeah, they can. Will they? We'll see. But once the line got to six, and I know it opened up at three and a half, a lot of professional money came in on Buffalo, and I know why, and it didn't help when you have the situation with the offensive linemen. But this is something Cincinnati's been dealing with since Moby Dick was a minnow. All right. The other game, and by the way, the odds makers didn't do the Dallas Cowboys, or check that, the schedule makers didn't do uh, the Cowboys any favors. Come on, man. They play a road playoff game last Monday night. Now they got to travel home. They have to follow up this week by playing another road playoff game Sunday. That's two plane rides in the same week. Meanwhile, they play the 49ers who get two extra days to prepare. And in the last 30 instances in the National Football League, when a team wins a road Monday night game, then they have to travel for a second week in a row to play a second consecutive road game with less days to prepare than their opponent. They're 3-27 and straight up. And, oh, by the way, did I mention the Cowboys? This is their fourth road game in a row. 
But I don't want anything to do with the side in this game. I don't know what you're going to get out of the Cowboys. I have an idea what you're going to get out of the Niners, but I don't know what you're going to get out of the Cowboys. When they bring it, they can really bring it. They scored more than 40 points five times this year, more than 50 once. The 49ers have lost 11 in a row, but the last 14 teams to go for that 12th win in a row, only 1-13 against the number. San Fran is laying 3.5. Be that as it may, I'm going to focus on Dak Prescott. His rushing, to, his, his rushing prop is 16 yards. And there's been a lot of talk from Jerry Jones and, and a lot of people in the organization about Dak running more. And that may or may not, you know, factor into whether or not you like this prop or not. But if you start, if you've been watching the Cowboys lately, the last six games, Dak is now carrying, the, you know, some of them are scrambles. Some of them are design runs. But in the last six games, Dak Prescott has, uh, has, has averaged about six carries per game, 23 yards per carry. And on the season, he's averaging four carries, 16 yards. But in the first seven games, he was only running the ball two or three times a game. So now his scramble rate's up, his design carries are up, and this is going to bode well when you consider the fact that the 49ers have a defense that actually allowed 28 rushing yards to Geno Smith in the wild card round and 34 to Jared Stidham in week 17. And add that to the fact that Dak Prescott has posted at least 16 rushing yards in five of the past six games and at least 20 yards in four of the past six, the median over that span, about 22 yards a game. So it seems reasonable to me that Dak Prescott should get somewhere between 23, 24, 25 minimum rushing yards for the game on Sunday. And I think they're going to need it, right? The 49ers are going to bring it. This is going to be an interesting game. So I like Cincinnati plus six. I'm not as concerned about the offensive line issues as everybody else because they had the same issues last year, and that didn't stop the Bengals from getting to the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow completing about 70% of his passes, averaging 27 yards a game, 27 points a game, excuse me. And oh, by the way, Cincinnati's defense is very opportunistic, especially in the red zone, and Josh Allen's turned the ball over 19 times this year. Something you've got to watch. I I will predict if Cincinnati forces two turnovers Sunday, they're going to win the game outright. That's my thought. Meanwhile, Dak Prescott, again, the over of 16 yards in his first seven games. He only ran for about 10 yards a game, but in his last six, he's running for about 23 yards a game. The 49ers have given up rushers to quarterbacks in the last couple of weeks to the tune of 28 to Geno Smith and 34 to Jared Stidham. There you have it. Dak Prescott in the numbers, five of the last six. He's exceeded that for the last six, 20 yards. There you have it. We'll see you Sunday. Coming up, keep it locked. Mark Medina joins us. This is Bernie Fratto. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Well, that's right. You heard the man. And the Bernie Fratto Show keeps rolling right along. We are coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas. Fox Sports Radio, TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. All right, it's that time. Oh, 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 it's we go to our guy, the NBA guru here at Fox Sports Radio, NBA.com, covers the Lakers. He covers it all. He is Mark Medina. It is time for a little Medina magic on midnight. 
Mark, as always, thanks for staying up, buddy. Anytime for you, my friend. So I got to start. I got to start with the low-hanging fruit. By the way, November 19, 2004, I was there. I covered the malice at the palace. We were doing a radio remote in the lobby. But anyway, you were at, at the crypto arena. Uh, do you care to speak on what the hell happened uh, Friday night? Yeah, I presume we're talking about that uh, scuffle that Shannon Sharp had with, uh, I guess, the entire Memphis Grizzlies team, right? And and, and some even parents, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's not forget John Morant's dad, too. Um, it, it was surreal. I mean, I was on the other side of the court, but I definitely saw Shannon Sharp with his uh, blue cardigan and just a lot of uh, craziness going on. And, you know, I think objectively, I don't think there's any winners in this case. I mean, um, I respect Shannon and his uh, obvious uh, sports acumen, his Hall of Fame career, but even if you're Shannon Sharp, you shouldn't be trading trash talk with you know, basketball players, you know, in your courtside seat. But also the Memphis Grizzlies, most notably Dylan Brooks, shouldn't be paying attention exactly. to what they're saying. So, you know, obviously when there's threats or when there's any physical touching, that's a different story. But when it comes to trash talking, you just ignore it and move on. And clearly the opposite happened. Well, and, and, and the malice at the palace was spontaneous combustion. And there was a backstory there going back 18 months because – uh, of a coach being unceremoniously fired, and you, th- there was a backstory there, but it was spontaneous combustion. Was there ever any thought in your mind that th- that it really could get physical? I don't think it could have because, to the you know, security's credit, the Redcoats get involved very early when they see something. So, you know, clearly security was separating all parties. So even if they wanted to really throw down, they wouldn't have been able to. Um, but I think it does raise an interesting point of where is uh, what is the line that. Uh, you have to cross to get kicked out of a game um, because I can't help but wonder if it was, um, you know, a nameless fan who did that. Of course. Maybe they would have been a lot more strict about, hey, you're probably not going to be allowed to return to your seat there. Yeah, I listen that, you know, Jason Smith and Mike Carmen talked about that. They last night uh, while I was going on and it was like, why was he allowed to stay? Let's be fair about this now. You know, we've, Great NFL player, luminary, but what, what, are there different rules? I mean, who was it that got kicked out of Madison Square Garden, a former Nick? Was that um, Charles Oakley? Charles Oakley, thank you. He was banned from the arena for like a year for crying out loud for seemingly something quite a bit less. Well, look, that opens up a whole other Pandora's box because that's kind of a reflection of how Jim Dolan responds to things, right? But I think in True. this case with the Lakers, what is interesting, uh, you know, he's known for defending LeBron James a lot of times, and LeBron was asked about the whole scuffle and he said uh, you know uh, I run with Shan 365 days 366 in a leap here 24-7 that's my guy I always have his back and he's got mine and he can talk with the best of them and so yeah I mean you can't help but wonder about the elephant in the room is that you know he's devoted to LeBron he's a Laker fan did the organization want that kind of energy in hopes that they can squeak out a win you can't help a wonder all right moving along mark uh, medina nba.com our fox sports radio nba guru let's stay with the lakers uh you reported the other day that anthony davis quote responded well from non-contact practice which uh, is 
to me, still a little cryptic. They're saying he could be back next week. What's the latest on Anthony Davis? Yeah, well, this is a caveat. As, as long as Anthony Davis doesn't have any more health issues, and as you know, Bernie, that's oh never a guarantee. But I've been told that there is optimism that Anthony Davis will return next week uh, for the Lakers game against the Boston Celtics in Boston January 28th. That seems to be the most likely target date, but I've also been told that's possible he might return earlier uh, at some part of the uh, Lakers' homestand. They have a, a home game against the Clippers on Tuesday and then a game against the San Antonio Spurs on Wednesday. But I think the challenge here is in the calendar. Um, you know, the Lakers don't have a lot of practices. I asked Darvin Ham how many practices does he think he'll be able to squeeze in this week. He admittedly uh, said he didn't know. And the reason is they have a game on Sunday in Portland, usually after a trip. They don't have practice the next day. So they might not have a practice on Monday. Then they have a back-to-back Tuesday and Wednesday. Usually after a back-to-back no NBA team has a practice. And then you look at Friday. Uh, maybe a day before a game you practice, but when it involves flying out east on a cross-country flight, usually they just devote that to travel time. So you add up all those things, and you think, hey, there's no time for practice. But my hunch is that you know they'll use different shoot-arounds to get some practices in so that Anthony Davis can get some full contact work in before he returns. Speaking of injuries, Kevin Durant, I understand, still in a brace. How soon is he to returning, a knee brace? Yeah, I think, obviously, that's not as imminent as Anthony Davis. I mean, Anthony Davis has been out for a while now, um, so his return is, is much more imminent. But, yeah, Kevin Durant, I, I would expect that it would be a few more weeks. This is something that uh, the Nets are very uh, conscious of, that, you know, Kevin Durant, uh, ever since his Achilles injury, basically ever since he's been with the Nets, that health has been a tenuous thing. So they're certainly not rushing him back. Uh, obviously, they'd love to have him, but I think that they've shown that they can you know, hold the fort down at least a little bit before he returns. But this Eastern Conference is neck and neck when you're looking at Boston, Philadelphia, Milwaukee. So uh, they'll have their work cut out for them. Oh, very much so, no question. And uh, the Nets are what? Uh, they're well, they're fourth or fifth, but I don't know. I I have my thoughts about them. Uh, unless they rank top ten defensively, unless they get they get more production out of their bench, and there's no guarantee those guys continue to stay healthy. But I want to talk about the Lakers real quickly. I've been critical of them, but they certainly do compete. That's undeniable. Be that as it may, they're still twelve games back on the outside looking in. Do you think they close the gap and get into the tournament, even if it's the play-in? I think they can get into the playing tournament, but I don't think that's saying a lot. Uh, it's a net upgrade from last season when they didn't even make the playoffs, but I think the Lakers uh, were thinking, hey, like, they're going to compete. I, I actually, you know, got uh, breakfast last summer with Jeannie Buss and uh, did a Q&A, just kind of all the elephants in the room, stated the franchise, and I was asking her, like, what's your expectations for this season? And she was saying, like, I expect us to be competitive. And I was like, well, if that doesn't happen, would you make changes? And she said she'd be open to doing that. Uh, but when I pressed further, okay, how do you quantify success? Does this mean West Finals, second round? She wouldn't commit to that. But she's like, hey, we have to at least make the playoffs here. But I think given how wide open the West has been, how much uh, the Lakers' rosters and injuries have been a challenge this season, that's not guaranteed. I think they will make a play-in. But it will be challenging in and of itself, especially knowing that when you look at the Lakers' assets and their reluctance to part ways with their draft picks unless it involves a major move, 
Um, I wouldn't expect much before the trade deadline. If they do make a deal, it's really just on the margins. Um, so they have their work cut out for them. And you, you raised a great point. They're competitive, but uh, competitive teams that are good usually know how to close out games. They they beat Memphis last night, but you know previously during this past week they lost a lot of close games against Dallas, Philadelphia, and Sacramento. A lot of self-inflicted wounds. And so I can't help but wonder, are they equipped to close out uh, close games at crunch time on a consistent basis? So what's interesting, Mark, staying on that, uh, on that subject with respect to the play-in, if the season ended today, the Clippers, Warriors, Jazz, and Phoenix would be in the play-in tournament. Um, the Jazz of those four surprised me. Danny Ainge has done a hell of a job. I didn't think they'd compete. They're competing. But three of those four teams surprised me, and I can't say with confidence when you put the Lakers on the floor with Phoenix, Golden State, or the Clippers, with any degree of confidence, they'd win a game they'd need to win. Yeah, that's a very good point. Now, I suspect that the Jazz will move themselves out of uh, playing tournament contention because even though they haven't fulfilled the preseason expectations of being a rebuilding team, I suspect Danny Ainge will make more moves before the trade deadline where he's valuing assets, draft picks, getting rid of some of veteran players, maybe like a Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson. So so it's about the lottery odds. Uh, But to your point about, you know, how would the Lakers match up against the Clippers or the Suns or the Warriors? I think that there is a recipe for them to beat the Clippers because we just never know if the Clippers can ever field a healthy roster. But if they do, I give the edge to the Clippers. As far as the Suns, I think the Lakers would beat the Suns because the Suns have been a hot mess. I know a lot of it is simply put because Seven Booker's been out for a while, but there's been a lot of just weird things going on where, you know, DeAndre Ayton hasn't been playing his best self. They've missed Jay Crowder, and that hasn't been resolved. Chris Paul has struggled to stay healthy, but when it comes to the Warriors, even though they have their own issues of underachieving, you know, all it takes is Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, Draymond Green to start playing, uh, you know, together on the floor consistently where I think that they can overcome some of the hiccups that they've shown this season with a terrible road record, some young growing pains, uh, and certainly compared to the Lakers, they're much more equipped to rectify everything than the team in L.A. Interestingly enough, the Lakers, and they may very well be battling, the Lakers may very well be battling it out with Portland. Should Utah drop out, Portland's got a better record against their conference. For some reason, the Lakers, terrible in their division, terrible in their conference, not so much with Phoenix. Oddly enough, Phoenix eight and zero in their division, eighteen and thirteen in conference, and the Lakers are under five hundred both. Yeah, it's it's really fascinating. I mean, the Suns started off as one of the best teams in the West, and now clearly they have, you know, plateaued. A lot of it had to do with once Chris Paul was out, at the end Devin Booker was out. The Lakers, on the other hand, they've been just scratching, clawing below or barely above 500 all season. I don't see that fundamentally changing, even with Anthony Davis coming back. So I think that the Suns, uh, you know, I don't see them being able to rebound and get back on the top of the Western Conference. But I think with the Lakers, they're always going to be in the mix. They're, they're always Their effort is never going to be in question. But when you account for the fact that injuries are never going to be a guarantee because of Anthony Davis's uh, history, right. most notably, but LeBron James being at 38, you should always anticipate that they're not going to have a fully healthy roster. And as well as Russell Westbrook, look, he's gotten a lot of compliments for accepting a bench role and looking more comfortable over, under Darvin Ham, but he still makes a lot of boneheaded mistakes. And you add with the fact that, 
you know, they have some decent role players, but doesn't fulfill positional needs on a consistent basis. Uh, this is just a really ripe recipe that, you know, their playing chances are really going to go down to the wire. Mark, uh, let's get you on again next Saturday. I want to address the Warriors. We're, we're past the halfway point of the season. They had a collapse of the Celtics, which I thought was very revealing. I want to get into LeBron as he closes in on the all-time score record. I want to get your thoughts on Bronny James as well. And by the way, there's a growing belief that Denver could be the team that emerges out of the West. Do you want to tease that real quickly? Do you think that's viable? I think that's viable, and I pulled uh, 30 different writers from different uh, from each NBA market for a, pre, a mid-season media poll, and a lot of the voters uh, either voted for the Clippers of making a run, and then Denver Nuggets were second. I personally would choose the Nuggets because, A, I don't have optimism that the Clippers can be fully healthy and find the right chemistry that they need, but I think on the, on the Nuggets end, Nikola Jokic shows that he is very well-deserving of getting that third MVP. Michael Malone's a hell of a coach, and Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. are becoming healthier. And I think Aaron Gordon is showing that uh, he should be considered as an all-star reserve. So they have a lot of great depth and an MVP that shows that I I think that they will wind up being the top team in the West. Mark, uh, great stuff as uh, always. Uh, Let's get you on next Saturday. All right, sounds like a plan, my man. That is Mark Medina, Medina Magic. Comes on midnight, usually Friday one of the nights, or Saturday the other night. And uh, there are a lot of interesting storylines surrounding the NBA. It's been a little bit overshadowed by the National Football League this year, uh, and, of course, even on Christmas Day. But that doesn't mean the NBA is still not there lurking with plenty of storylines that will start to really take shape. We're a little over 60 days away from actually the playoffs beginning, so lots of things to get to, including not the least of which there's an interesting statistical anomaly that the NBA is experiencing right now that they haven't experienced since, like, 1970. I'm going to share with you what that is and why it's happening and how Steve Kerr feels about it. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Fox Sports Radio. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to the Bernie Frado Show on Fox Sports Radio. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER.
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. We're back on the Bernie Fratto Show. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. The Tyrac.com studios will take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. ton of stuff to get to, including brand new Fool. What my name, Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. We bring it all to you, but... I want to finish up. I want to wrap up. Uh, we'll get back heavily into the NFL, but I want to wrap up a, a point uh, of of notation that is out there, maybe under the radar, but the NBA is experiencing an incredible points explosion. This is the most offensive environment in the National Basketball Association in 50 years. And this is not a, a made-up perception. This is not an opinion. This is strictly by the numbers not only is scoring way up uh this season uh, as far as teams total team scoring but very much on the individual level as well when you consider points per game teams are averaging just under 115 points per game heading into this week which is the highest mark since the 1970 season now let's look at individual scores players who score 20 uh, points a game. There have been 43 players who are averaging at least 20 points a game. The all-time record prior to this year was 31. 43 players are averaging 20 points a game, which smashes the prior record. How about players who score 40 points in a game? This is crazy. This season, a player has scored 40 or more points on 106 separate occasions already this year, including 24 times in the month of January alone. Now, to give that some perspective, right before COVID, the 2019 season, for the entire season, there were 137 such instances where a player scored 40 or more points a game. We're not out of January. We're barely out of mid-January. It's already happened 106 times this year. You think they're going to blow past that record of 137? They're going to demolish that record. How about 50-point games? Players this season, there have been 16 situations, 16 times where an individual player has scored more than 15, that more than 50 points in a game this season. Again, very much on pace to break the record for the most in the, in a season now. Will Chamberlain actually did it in, in, in a, you know, he did it. He averaged 50. He came back in 1962. Throw that out. But, again, the 2019-2020 the, the season, this was the COVID year, and uh, played in a lot of empty arenas and such. Maybe, you know, wasn't as noisy defense, whatever the case may be. That season, there were 23 such instances where a player scored at least 50 points in a game at least once. But again, we're not out of January, and it's already happened 16 times this year. So they're going to break the record in any season that didn't include Will Chamberlain, of course, because he averaged 50 a game back in, what, 62. Here's the big picture. 
Now, scoring and offensive efficiency have been steadily rising for years for an obvious reason. We are in a three-point revolution. The three-point you know, shot was introduced a couple decades ago, but every year people are better at it. They're better at it in high school. They're better at it in college. They're certainly better at it in the pros. And they take more and they make more. Teams, teams are making a little over, they're averaging making a little over 12 a game. Are you kidding me? Think about that. Teams are taking, on average, 34 three-pointers per game. Now, if you don't think that's a dramatic change, just go back 10 years. Just go back to 2012. Teams are averaging maybe about 18 three-point attempts per game and making about six. So now they're making 12 and averaging 34. It's a three. It's raining threes, okay? Bad pun. Now, here's what's interesting the last couple of seasons, three-point volume is actually down very slightly. So why is that? One theory is that the scoring surge is, is because you got so much talent now. you got a lot of offensive talent in the NBA. Guys, they can really create their own shot off the bounce. They can go to the hoop. They can draw contact. There's mid-range players. There's guys playing with their back to the basket now. And, of course, there's a ton of guys that shoot threes. So when you've got that kind of amalgam of talent up and down the league, that is, that's a theory that's going to certainly contribute to the fact as to why there's this unreal scoring surge. The other thing, too, is if you watch the NBA, you've seen coaches using a lot more small ball lineups, which means you're going to have fewer rim protectors. So that makes it easier for these high-usage guys to score at the rim or get fouled, which I just said. There's plenty of guys that can get to the rim. You saw Ja Morant last night. He's like a poster child for one of the best. There's lots of guys like him. And by the way, let's also not forget, free-throw attempts are at their highest mark in a decade, and that adds to the scoring craziness as well. The other thing, too, is pace. The NBA is not a slow-down half-court game during the regular season. When you look at the possessions per 48 minutes, league-wide, pace is up, which means teams are getting more possessions, which means teams are getting more shots. That's up from last season. So players and teams simply have more scoring opportunities. I remember back in the day, Chuck Daly's mantra was, you know, coach the Pistons, an elegant man, came this close to three-peating in 88, 89, and 90. What a great coach he was. His mantra always was, let's start with a stop. That's back in the days where, you know, go, go back and look at the scores of that 0-4 Pistons-Lakers final when the Pistons won in five. I covered that series. Some of those scores, games like 86-69. Seriously, Chuck Daly didn't want to give you more than 50 possessions per game. And so he deliberately did it that way. But you can't discuss what's happening right now, Okay. On the other side of the ball, which is right, I brought up Chuck Daly. According to Steve Kerr, he says transition defense, it's at an all-time low in the league. And he also thinks the game has gotten looser and players are so talented, they just go out and score, you can't stop them, so you just sort of become a spectator. Be that as it may, we'll see if this continues. I think it's good for the fans. I think some of those 128-124 games can be very entertaining. And I think that's what that's what fans want to see. And let's face it, you got a hell of a lot of offensive talent in the league, but... This is not something, if you've noticed the scores seem higher and the totals, if you're a better, that they're putting up there now, you're seeing all kinds of 238s, 242s you hadn't seen in years. You're seeing that again. 
you're not imagining things. The numbers back it up. There is an incredible points explosion happening in the NBA that hasn't happened in quite a while. Some of these numbers go back 50 years. Coming up, we take you back to the NFL. The $64 question, does Tom Brady go back to Tampa Bay and try to figure it out? Start over and move somewhere else. I'll tell you what we think we know. But first, let's go back to our guy Nick Cope with the latest. All right, thank you, Bernie. Some notable games in the NBA from Saturday. The Celtics have won nine in a row as they beat the Raptors on the road 106-104. to Boston did not have Jason Tatum, and Marcus Smart left the game with an ankle injury. Buck star Giannis Antetokounmpo missed his fifth game in a row. He's been dealing with a knee injury, although Milwaukee does hope to have him back soon. The Bucks fell to the Cavs 114-102. to Evan Mobley had 38 points, nine rebounds for Cleveland, and the Sixers won their fifth Fifth in a row, 129-127 over the Kings, despite not having Joel Embiid or James Harden. Suns over the Pacers, 112-107. Got the Australian Open going on right now. Uh, the women's top seed, Iga Sviantek, fell in the round of 16 to last year's Wimbledon champion, Alina Rybakina. Young American Coco Gauff, she was the number seven seed. She bows out in the round of 16 as well. Top American woman, the three seed, Jess Pugh. Pagula of the Pagula family, which owns the Bills and the Sabres. Jess Pagula is into the quarterfinals. She has not dropped a set yet in the tournament. On the men's side, there is a young American who is into the quarterfinals. That's Sebastian Korda. He beat Daniil Medvedev, one of the top players in the world right now. Earlier in the tournament, just had a five-set win over the 10 seed, so he's into the quarterfinals as well. College basketball, number 11 Arizona, ended number 5 UCLA's 14-game win streak, 50 52 the win in Tucson for the Wildcats. Number 14 TCU handed number two Kansas their second consecutive loss, 83 to 60 the final score in Lawrence. And number six Gonzaga survived a scare on the road against Pacific, 99 to 90. And then of course in the NFL, first two spots are set for conference championship Sunday. Chiefs over the Jags, 27 to 20. Patrick Mahomes playing through an injured ankle, finished with 195 yards, couple of touchdowns. Chad. Henny came in there in the second corner, led that 98-yard touchdown drive. Travis Kelsey, a huge game, career-high 14 catches, 98 yards, and two scores. ESPN reports that Mahomes is scheduled to have an MRI on Sunday. And then in the NFC, the Eagles just throttled the Giants 38-7. Game got out of hand quickly, 28-zip at halftime. Three total touchdowns for Jalen Hurts. Philly defense held the Giants to just 227 total yards. Giants coach Brian Dayball not feeling great afterwards. I feel like crap. I mean, that's as honest as you can be. You, know, you work extremely hard to get to this spot. You do not take it for granted. This is a hard place to get to this division round and to move forward. And I feel more for the players and the coaches because we put everything we had into it and we just we didn't get it done. So Philly awaits the winner of 49ers and Cowboys in the NFC Championship game. Chiefs getting set now for the winner of Bills-Bengals. If the Bills win, that game will be played in Atlanta. If the Bengals win, the game will be played in Kansas City. Bernie, back to you. Thanks, Nick. Later in the show, I'm going to get to Lamar Jackson, the other tandem of the two tale of two quarterbacks. Uh, and a little later in the show, by the way, we're, we're, we're going to bring in the crew, want to get their thoughts. The NFL is really pondering making these conference championship games neutral fields. I don't know. I'm, I'm concerned it could happen, but hold that thought. I'm going to come back to it. Um, Tom Brady. 
All right. So he has two choices, right? Uh, and I'm assuming he's going to play. Otherwise, why did he? Why did he allow his marriage to dissolve like that? This was the essence of the whole thing. You can't time climb two mountains at the same time. And I think he chose football. Is trying to get the best of both worlds. So. What does he? What does he do? Everybody's already written off like he was not going back to Tampa Bay. I saw a poll online: three percent of the people only believed he would go back to Tampa Bay, which leads me to my usual groupthink echo chamber, and leads me to believe that there's a very good chance he goes back to Tampa Bay. I'm gonna explain why, but it's a sixty-four dollar question. Do you go to a new city and try to start over, or can you fix what you have in Tampa? You might not be as far off as people think, and you're in a favorable, favorable division. Here's what we think we know. The Glazer family, which owns the Tampa Bay Bucks, has a very close relationship with Tom. There's a lot of mutual respect. Clearly, they want Tom to stay. And as I think as a gesture, they fired Byron Leftwich last week. The guy was presided over the, you know, he was he was the OC during during the Super Bowl year. Did he forget how to coach? I, I, I don't know. What, I don't know what happened there. I know Brady complained about him, and I know that there's there were some issues. He, he had attention to detail, whatever. Don't just leave it at that. Right. Here's the other thing. If Tom Brady leaves Tampa Bay, the organization will be hit with a thirty five million dollar cap hit unless he retires. And I, you know, I I know that Tampa Bay tried very hard to get Gronk last year to come back at Thanksgiving. They were going to put him right on the roster. And I understand Gronk says, no, I'm just not going to do it. But, you know, you never know. Maybe I'll do this one more time the right way from the beginning. Do I am I predicting Gronk is going to be back? No, I'm not. But can you say he's not with you know with your better finger that he's not coming back? No, I wouldn't do that either. And I will say this: if Rob Gronkowski does come back, I believe their red zone problems are solved. You put him there with Godwin, you put him there with Evans, you get your running game figured out, get your offensive line figured out, backfill a couple guys on defense. They're not that far away. Brady wanted left winch gone, and he seemed to have gotten his wish. So can you really rule out Tampa Bay when you look at his options? Would Tom Brady really come to the Raiders just because Josh McDaniels is here? Do you really want to move cross-country and be that much further away from his kids? You know what you're talking about if you think that. Now, it could happen. It could be a liar out of me. But come on, Raiders, all due respect. Dumpster fire defense, lousy offensive line. Get to play Mahomes twice. Chargers are getting better. Denver will be better next season. Remember that defense through 10 games. If Denver would have just averaged 19 points per game, they would have been 9-1. and one, 19 points per game in regulation. So... Brady's actually got a pretty damn good situation right there in Florida. He may be nonplussed about some, 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 you know, some of the aspects of being in Tampa Bay, but it seems to me they're imminently more fixable than moving somewhere and starting somewhere else. I don't think he wants to play just to play. Don't think he's going to end up in San Francisco. I'm very, I'm pretty convinced based on what I've been told that Brock Purdy is going to be their guy going forward. Uh, Tennessee has been mentioned, doubt it. They're in rebuild mode. So, Brady's got to be somewhere where you can win right away. Well, of, of all the teams I just you know mentioned, and, and again, throw the 49ers out, the, the Bucks were in the playoffs for the third straight year. So I would not poo-poo that he doesn't just stay there. Now, there is one other, you know, thing, right? The Bucks are owned by the Glazer family. They have deep ties to Palm Beach. And even though the Glazers stay out of the, out of the spotlight, when it comes to running the Bucks, they're not afraid to secretly make blockbuster deals, including a famous one, and it's been 20 years, for a coach. Where am I going with this? Okay, first let's set this up. Back in 2002, the two, uh, Joel and Brian Glazer, they worked out a deal with Al Davis, the owner of the Raiders, God rest his soul, 
for uh, to get coach John Gruden. In exchange, the Bucks gave the Raiders two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and $8 million. It worked because Gruden won a Super Bowl in his first year with the Bucks. Might have been with Tony Dungy's players, probably true, but nonetheless it happened. So where am I going with this? This is wacky stuff, but why, it's, hey, this is sports talk radio, okay? Not trying to solve the world's problems here. Well, maybe we are, but in this particular case, what we're trying to do is just cover all bases. It would be a matter of compensation for Sean Payton. You have to resolve all that, but if you did that, you could resolve this relatively quickly. Now, I know you shouldn't be talking this way because they have a coach, Todd Bowles, in place. But look, when Tom Brady ended his 40-day retirement last year, part of the deal was to push Coach Bruce Arians into some – they kicked him upstairs in some front office role, and he wound up looking more like the – Arians is probably in the witness protection program somewhere, for all we know. You never see him. And, and let's be honest, Bruce Arians carried a lot more weight than Todd Bowles does. Now, Bowles could end up being – the fall guy, like Leftwich was this season. Maybe you keep him in the organization. I don't know what you do. He's a good defensive coordinator. But here's the thing. Peyton also has a history. He and Drew Brees got married together in New Orleans about 15 years ago, and a lot of people forget that Peyton had to go to bat to bring in Drew Brees because Brees injured his shoulder trying to score on a touchdown for the San Diego Chargers back in, I think it was 2005 or 2006, and when Breeze left the Chargers as a free agent, the Dolphins thought they had him. That was when Nick Saban was coaching the Dolphins. That was when Nick Saban basically went in the press conference and said, I'm not going to coach Alabama. I'm going to defend Saban because he meant it that day. He thought he was getting Drew Breeze. But three days later, when Breeze flew to town, the Miami medical staff took a look at him, and the doctors advised it was best to stay clear of Breeze. Drew Breeze didn't pass his physical. Nick, you know, the rest is history. Uh, I believe it was Christmas Day. Uh, you know, um, Nick Saban sat down with the owners of the Dolphins, and I think it was Wayne Huizenga, and they had this tearful meeting and said, listen, if I can't have my quarterback, I can't coach you. And, he, and they defended him, and Saban went to Alabama. It seems to work out pretty well. But Peyton was rebuilding in a team that had just been devastated the city by hurricane, uh, hurricane, easy for me to say, last time I ran a tongue from that place, Hurricane Katrina. So he took a faith leap on Breeze, and it really worked, right? So Brady, at his advanced age, I still think has a stronger arm than Breeze. His mechanics are good. This is wacky way out there. Could they try to maneuver a deal to get Peyton to come to Tampa Bay, and he marries with Tom Brady? I don't know. I'm just saying that I think when you look at situations and the situation Tom Brady has in Tampa Bay, look, I, I, I think – Mike McDaniel's not getting fired in, in Miami, and he loves Tua Tagovailoa. I think San Francisco, Brock Purdy, they're set with their guy. The Raiders are not close to winning, and neither are the Tennessee Titans. And I get it that Brady has ties to Josh McDaniels from their time together in New England. So what? The bottom line is this. Are the Bucks a Super Bowl contender? No. But with a few tweaks, could they be? Yeah, and they got a very talented general manager named Jason Light. He's got the whole offseason to patch up some holes, put Brady together with some other people, maybe even Sean Payne. I don't know. The long and the short of it is I think the best fit, honestly, is for is for Brady to stay right in Tampa Bay. We shall see. Coming up, the NFL is actually pondering, actually pondering, having future conference championship games played on a neutral field. 
I'll tell you my thoughts. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Fox Sports Radio studios. TireRack.com studios here in Las Vegas. Don't go away. You're listening to the Bernie Frado Show on Fox Sports Radio. Hey, we're back on the Bernie Frado Show. Coming to you live from the TireRack.com studios here in Las Vegas. Ton of stuff to get to. We take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. And we're, by the way, just under 12 hours away from the kickoff between Buffalo and Cincinnati, and that game has real significance. They all do, but this has slightly more because the Chiefs owner, Lamar Hunt, for years has pushed for the NFL behind the scenes to move all conference championship games to a neutral site. Now, it's been brought up behind the scenes to ownership, even brought a proposal, but ownership always voted it down. Now, it's interesting because the Chiefs won, and now if Buffalo wins, they're one win away from the first ever neutral site conference championship game. Now, Lamar Hunt was always stirring the pot. He's an interesting guy. I had the great privilege, and I loved every minute of it, of covering 10 Detroit Lions home Thanksgiving Day games from 98 to 2008. Trust me, I saw it all. Why do I bring that up? Because for years, even though Detroit had been hosting the Thanksgiving game since 1934, I think Dallas jumped on board in the late 60s. Great doubleheader. He wanted, uh, Lamar Hunt wanted a third game. He wanted his team to host a game. And ended up, he kind of got his way. Uh, They rotate that third game every year, of course. It's always Detroit and always Dallas in the first two. But then the third game rotates, which makes for the nice 8 o'clock Eastern starting time. So Lamar Hunt has always been sort of a little bit of a visionary when it comes to repackaging the NFL product, as it were, as it pertains to TV. Now, here we're hearing that even though the game, there's no guarantee, you know, the Bills could lose to the Bengals Senate. There's no guarantee that the game's even played in Atlanta. But it's been it's been reported that Bills and Chiefs fans or fans have purchased 50,000 tickets in 24 hours. Now, we don't know if that's true. I'm going to assume it's true. But what that does is that provides a modicum of sort of circumstantial evidence that uh, this gives the league fuel to, you know, really start to take this more seriously. And now we, we are finally, Mike Flores has reported that the league office, there's a tremendous interest in neutral site games. It's very real now. Why? Why? Well, apparently the NFL really likes the atmosphere and the pomp and circumstances of all the major college bowl games. Then you've got a kind of a 50-50 mix of fans and everybody's decked out in their team colors. And it's just sort of this college atmosphere that pro football can't really replicate. Now, we know the Super Bowl's always played at a neutral site, except for the last couple of years, which is kind of a fluke. But you had, you know, 55 Super Bowls before you had a couple that were played on, on a home site. But, you know, from a conference championship game uh, that would be played at a neutral site, I think tickets would have to be handled in the same way. They're doing a test run this year. Half of the season ticket holders at one team, half to go to the other team. And then what do you do? I, I mean, it, I don't... Do you rotate cities? Is it always going to be in a warm city? Is it always going to be a, a, a you know, a dome city? So you have perfect, uh, you know, conditions. Now the uh, twenty-four owners have to vote for this. Okay, this isn't just going to happen overnight because somebody has a stroke of a pen, and, and it would be ironic. We're talking about this, and, and Buffalo gets beat Sunday, so it doesn't matter. And then you're going to have cities that'll jockey and kind of pay for the privilege of hosting the conference championship games. I don't like it. 
It robs the higher seed of the ability to host a game. I don't like it because it takes away that incentive. You've earned it the entire year to have that home field advantage. Tell me it wouldn't be tougher to go into Buffalo than a neutral neutral stadium. And if you've earned the right to do that, or Cincinnati, or Kansas City for that matter. And I don't think it's fair to the hometown fans as well. You know, but... The NFL does what they want to do. Years ago, there was pushback when some of the home season games went to Europe, but it's not only happening, it's happening more fervently. Coming up top of the hour, I'm going to talk about the Buffalo-Cincinnati game, and we're going to bring in the crew and get their thoughts about will the NFL maybe have all conference games in the future go to a neutral site. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Fox Sports Radio studios here at Tyrac.com. Keep it locked. It's the Bernie Frado Show. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Well, that's right. You heard the man. The Bernie Fratto Show keeps rolling and right along. My name is Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the TireRack.com studios here in Las Vegas. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. The legendary Willie Nelson got into hot water with the IRS about 20 years ago, and they went after him pretty hard. And Interestingly enough, one of the things Wilson or uh, Willie Nelson fought to keep was his golf course, his prized golf course. He had this beautiful golf course uh, that butted up against his home. Uh, I'm not sure. I think it was in Kentucky. And uh, he, he won that battle and got to keep his golf course. And, and uh, apparently there was a story written about it after it all was said and done. And again, this is 20, 30 years ago. And somebody asked him, uh, Willie, why were you so intent on keeping your golf course, uh, you know, of all of your possessions? And they were sitting out in the deck, and he motioned out to the 18th hole, and he says, well, the best thing about having your own golf course is you get to decide par. See that 18th hole there, that finishing hole? It's a par 12. And yesterday, I birdied it. There you have it. You know, it's somewhat similar that if you win your games in the National Football League and win your division, win your conference, you get to decide that you get to play the game at home. Except there's a big change this year. As a matter of fact, it all starts Sunday. Just about 11 hours from now, the Bills and Bengals will play in Buffalo. Now, why is that game being played in Buffalo? And a lot of people don't even know the answer. Well, the answer is simple that the Bills did finish with a better record than the Bengals during the season. They ended the year with 13-3, and three, and the Bengals are 12-4. and four. Now, the Bengals were punching their ticket three weeks ago on Monday night. They might have won that game. We're never going to know. And obviously, both teams were unable to play that game. It resulted in some complications for the playoff picture for the entire AFC. So this was the decision when they explained it. They just said, well, just compare the records to Cincinnati and Buffalo. They played the same number of games. And the fact that Buffalo and Cincy didn't get to finish that game, they're going to have a different number of games played relative to the Chiefs before Super Wild Card Weekend. So they believe this was the only equitable way to do it. And I think for the, it's, it wasn't great, but the ruling was widely considered to have made sense. But now that leads to the next question. If there is a neutral site game played, well, who would be the two combatants in the AFC Championship game that would be playing at that neutral site? There's only one potential matchup that will be played in the neutral site. That will occur 
if the Bills win Sunday. The Chiefs already won. Those are the final two teams standing in the AFC bracket that would play in a neutral side game. Now, why is it the only game that would be played in a neutral side? It's because the Bills, who would, if they win uh, Sunday, they'll be 14-3, and three, but the Chiefs already won Saturday, and they're 15-3. and three. So you've got one team that's played one more game and won it, and uh, their number one seed had their canceled game being played. So the Bills own the tiebreaker over the Chiefs, thanks to a head-to-head victory. So it's plausible they could have won the conference's number one seed. You see where I'm going with this. It gets very convoluted. But the NFL felt it was very unfair to essentially penalize the Bills for having a win-loss disparity solely based on a canceled game. That's why they had to consider the neutral side alternative and, you know, Detroit was considered, but apparently they're redoing their field. Indianapolis was considered. And it's my understanding that the, the stadium was available, but there's some big event there. And so there's not the hotel rooms to accommodate people. So that, you know, I would love to have them in Vegas. And I understand Buffalo fans even reached out to say we'd like to go to Vegas. But at the end of the day, they chose Atlanta's Mercedes-Benz Stadium and uh, that, that it's equidistant, as much as equidistant can be from Buffalo to Kansas City. Let's face it, Atlanta's hosted multiple major events. They do, a, they do a fine job. That said, any other AFC championship game would be played at the home of the higher-seeded team. So, example, if the Chiefs played the Bengals, the game's going to be at Arrowhead Stadium. The, Bag- the Jaguars lost, but if they would have won and the Bills would have won, they'd have played at Buffalo, and you get the picture. The irony of this whole damn thing is, wouldn't it be something if Cincinnati wins that game Sunday and it becomes moot? I don't, I don't like that this is being considered. I, it doesn't sit well with me. And wouldn't it be, again, let's see what happens first Sunday in Buffalo because I've already made my prediction earlier in the show that if the Bengals force two turnovers, they're going to win this game outright. And I, I, I listen... I grab Cincinnati plus the six points. Everybody's talking about the three down offensive linemen for, for Cincinnati. That's nothing new. They had that same situation last year. Didn't stop Joe Burrow for completing 69% of his passes, averaging 27 points a game. The dude gets the ball out of his hands, and I mean quick. They run a lot of fade stop routes. They run a lot of quick, uh, quick strikes. There are a lot of screen passes. Burrow gets the ball out of his hand. The dude is a playmaker. He's a baller. He is Joe Cool. He's already 5-1 and one so far in, in the playoffs. And, and, and let's not poo-poo the fact also that Cincinnati has a pretty damn good defense, a very opportunistic defense. In their, in their five, is it five or six playoff games Buffalo's had now in the last two years? Let's see, wait, they were 3-1 and one last year. And for one, so they're four and one. They've had five, 11 turnovers in those games. The only loss was to the Rams. They could have easily beaten the Rams. They were close. Uh, add that to the fact that Josh Allen has turned the ball over 19 times this season, and this makes for an interesting side story. Allen turned the ball over three times in the wild card round after leading the, you know, and the 19 turnovers were in the regular season. The only two quarterbacks to lead the league in turnovers and just get to the conference championship round over 50 years, Eli Manning did it in 2007 and Jim Kelly back in 1992. I'm of the opinion if Cincinnati can create turnovers, they have a very good chance of advancing to the AFC title game and Cincinnati would have to go 
to Kansas City because they played one less game. Now, here's what's interesting. Skylar Thompson in Miami, they went into Buffalo last week, put up 31 points. They were very competitive. Buffalo's going to have to really be on their A game. Cincinnati, they'll, they'll give you your yards between the 20s. But when you get to the red zone, they're very stingy. Cincinnati ranks fourth in the National Football League in red zone defense in terms of allowing touchdowns in the red zone. And, uh, you know, when you get to the red zone, Cincinnati tightens up. They'll bracket you. They'll press you. They close space quickly. They got some real playmakers on defense. And, oh, by the way, that I mentioned, it's not just Josh Allen, the Bills. They've actually turned the ball over on 16% of their possessions this year, aggregate for the entire season. That's a lot. That's good enough to rank 31st in the National Football League, only ahead of the moribund Indianapolis Colts, and you see where that finished. I'm getting a little off on a tangent here. Where am I really going with this? There's some real talk that there could be, on a go-forward basis, NFL Conference Championship games played at a neutral site, the same way colleges do it. Same way they've been moving games to Europe for years. Lamar Hunt wants it. Rest his soul. He wanted it for a long time. He he brought it up, I guess, and it was voted on before. It was shot down. I don't like the idea. Coming up, I'm going to bring in the crew. I want to get their thoughts. Imagine their favorite team, whoever their favorite team may be. You've earned the right. You've won the big games. You've won your division. You've won your conference. You've got the best record. And you want to have an opportunity to play for the right to get to the Super Bowl in front of your home fans. You want to create the gate. You want to, you know, have it be the reward you seek. Not having to travel, having to play in your own friendly confines. Or if you're in a city like, say, Buffalo, where it could be cold and snowy, Green Bay, where it gives you that home field advantage where it's not easy to go into these hostile environments sometimes and do what you need to do. But you're going to take that take that away, potentially. I don't like that idea. We'll bring in the crew to get their thoughts in just a minute. Football fans, be sure to tune in to Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM every Saturday and Sunday morning. Three hours before kickoff, tune in Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern, as we take you live all the way to kickoff on Fox Sports Radio in the iHeartRadio app, presented by BetMGM. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios, the Tyrac.com studios. Don't go away. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. Back on the Bernie Fratto Show, we're coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas. And I'll tell you this, all the years in Motown covering the Lions, they would not have liked it. The Lions had gotten to the conference championship game, which they did once in 1992, January. got smoked by the Redskins. But to have that on a neutral field... Would not, would not have flown. No offense to Buffalo and Kansas City, but if you're a fan of the other 30 teams in the NFL, you might want to root for the Bills to lose in the divisional round this weekend because I don't like the idea that this game is going to be played on a neutral site if it ends up being Buffalo and, uh, and, uh, and uh, the Chiefs, right? And, and if this comes to fruition, the NFL for the first time – We'll play it at a neutral site, Atlanta. And, oh, by the way, 
this could continue on and become similar to the NFL's enamored with the pomp and circumstance of college bowl games and the various other celebratory you know, events involving these neutral side cities. I don't like the idea, but the foundation is putting is being put in place for this to possibly happen. Lamar Hunt, right? It, it, he talked about this years ago, wanted it. And the NFL does what they want. There, there were people fought against games playing in Europe, and now it's commonplace. I, and I, before I come to the crew, again, I think a neutral side conference championship game very much diminishes, diminishes the importance of a regular season. That's already been diminished a little bit because the season's so damn long. But more football is better than less football, so I'm not going to go down that side. The atmosphere at a neutral uh, Super Bowl, I've, I've covered one Super Bowl. 2006, Super Bowl 40, Pittsburgh and Seattle, and I've been to three. But the, the, the scene and the vibe and the atmosphere at a Super Bowl is, is very weirdly antiseptic when you compare it to home field advantage and you don't have the back and forth and it's much it's very corporate, that, that type of stuff. You take the game out of home markets, it's a major loss for those communities. I, I don't think it's fair to stadium workers. I don't think it's fair to local businesses. And it's certainly not fair to the fans and certainly not fair to the teams who would have had to, through their performance on the field, earn the right to get and host that conference championship game. And you might even have a home field advantage based on weather, crowd, travel, you name it. That could be going away. All right, so let's start with Nick Cope. Nick, first, who would, do you have a favorite NFL team? I am originally from Northern California. Niners all day, baby. You, oh, I love it. Love it. Ready to go for Sunday. I've had friends, and it gets Dallas, too. It, it, it is which, such which, a right matchup. This is, listen, this goes back 50 years for the, the historical aspect. Okay, so that's, a, that's not a conference championship game. But let's say that your Niners beat Dallas Sunday, and all of a sudden you find out, Nick, that this new rule is in place, and the Niners will play Philadelphia next week. Again, this is just for purposes of this conversation. And the game's going to be played in Indianapolis. How do you feel about that? Well, I, I don't feel great. I'd rather see the Niners play in Philly. It's just going to be more fun to watch. I really just have so many questions, Bernie. I, I, I don't understand so but much of I was giving you a hypothetical, meaning let's say that San Francisco would have qualified by virtue yes. of the, their record to have that game at home. Now you get it ripped away from you. Well, yeah. That, That's the context I wanted you to answer. Go ahead. It's awful. I mean, Indianapolis means nothing to, to either of these teams. And, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't get why the NFL is looking at this. Well, the, I, I glossed over some of the reasons. And, and we're like, not, you know, 24 owners have to vote on it. But yes. pretend you're all, you like to maybe go to the game. Now you can't. And you, you like to believe your team's going to get to the Super Bowl. Don't you think you'd have a decided advantage playing the game at home versus a neutral site? Oh, well, yeah, of course. I, I just, why did Lamar Hunt, like, like why was he so gung ho about this? I've heard he, he, do we know why he thought this was such a great idea? No, 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 I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to delve into that. I, I don't I hope it never comes to this point, although I think I'm, I'm concerned it could. 
Well, I, uh, I know, and I'm I, just I know that... sort of asking this out loud too because I I don't understand like do people really love neutral site college football that much uh, when we're talking about this expanded playoff and I do a lot of work with UCLA and and I'm very involved with college football like people are excited for those on campus playoff games more than more neutral site college football games so I don't understand why that's a draw for the NFL either it I'd argue you have a few rare exceptions in college football the the Cotton Bowl for Oklahoma and Texas the Rose Bowl does a good job but by and large <clears throat> excuse me these conference championship games are not great atmospheres these playoff games are not great atmospheres and I just, how do you figure they're going to do well selling tickets when you don't know who is playing in these games until a week before? And I know you get that in college and conference championship games potentially, but those games are played in that region. Uh, but how are you going to decide who's hosting these games? Presumably they're going to bid, but when does that bid happen? Look at last year. You had Rams and Niners in the NFC Championship game. If Nashville wins the bid earlier in the, those oh, yeah. two teams playing Nashville, Nashville, like that's ridiculous. Well, that's, that, None of this it, makes it, any it, sense. It'll rotate, just like the Super Bowl. That that part, those logistics. Look, Lamar Hunt was a bit of a visionary. I know this in the sense that, having lived in Detroit and and, and covered ten. Thanksgiving games for CBS Radio. Lamar Hunt always wanted to have that third Thanksgiving game, and he finally got his wish. He sees the NFL as a series of big events, and I think if you he believed if you put it at a neutral site, it would create more exposure on a broad-based national basis. That's what he believed. He also uh, didn't want there to be a home field advantage with a major weather advantage, which is odd because you'd have that in Kansas City. Those are the reasons I think he had, right? Mm-hmm. It, I, what I don't like, the, the reason I like this the least is because you are you are removing the reward that the home team's fans who have won a title game get the ticket revenue get the opportunity to attend the game and give give their team you know the best chance to get to the Super Bowl you're you're ripping that away I think it diminishes the regular season so I get the mechanics you bring up you know I, I understand your point also one other thing Nick when I lived in Michigan uh, I, I know that it, you know Michigan might win the Big Ten. They won it in 2004 with Chad Henney, believe it or not. Look, you get to go to the Rose Bowl. That was a big deal. I get college, The college football neutral set experience is different, and the weather and the travel and all that's different. I think he's trying to create that. But, again, put yourself you're – you're from the Bay Area, right? Yes. So did you go to Niners games? Yeah, went to Candlestick at least once a year. Oh, wasn't that awesome? I, I miss – I genuinely miss, miss it Candle, too. I miss Candlestick Park. I, I went there for Giants games, too. But the bottom line is this. So let's pretend you're growing up. It's Candlestick Park. The Niners, uh, you know, they've got the conference championship game, and they, they lost that game. Thirty. Well, we just had the 30-year anniversary last week when Dallas beat them 30-20. to 20. Okay, so Dallas got you there at home. That was a tremendous game on the muddy field that game. It was a Saturday night game. I'll never forget it. But the bottom line is at least you got the game at home. You could have gone to the game. You gave yourself a bench chance to win it. Imagine if that's ripped away from you. Is your reward for a great season is you got to go on the road. I, that's I'm repeating myself now. You got the last word on this part of it. No, yeah, it's it, it's ludicrous to to win the one seed. Even for for Philly, imagine Philly the great season they had, and then to have to go play somewhere. 
neutral site to go have to go play in Indianapolis after they go 14 and 3 and probably would have done even better if Jalen Hurts didn't get hurt it's it's ridiculous it, it, it totally makes getting that one seed so much more relevant yeah you play the one less game but I mean come on you got to remember, Lamar Hunt was a little out there. I'm talking about the father now, not not yeah. Clark, who's still well, alive. He didn't like buys. He didn't want the NFL to have buys. And he wanted to, he, he, 20 years ago, he presented a proposal to the league for a 16-team playoff. Now, it's 14 now, so it doesn't sound as wacky. But 20 years ago, imagine what a 16-team playoff would have been like the NHL. What were you going to say, Nick? No, I was just going to say one of the things you mentioned was like an increased exposure. And I'm like, I, I think the NFL's pretty much done that, at least here stateside. I mean, you're probably going to get, I don't know, 40 to 50 million people, I would think, watching Niners Cowboys tomorrow. You're going to get your 100 million plus for the Super Bowl. So I, I don't understand how, you know, and obviously his thoughts were from a different time, but that can't be a reason for the NFL right now. I, I wouldn't think. The only way you're growing the game is doing what they're doing internationally in London, in Mexico, and now in Germany. All right. So I'm going to ascertain that that's a big thumbs down for you. Your ascertain would be correct. <laughs> that a- all right, Nick. All right, Brandon, we got a little long-winded there. Brandon Truffle, first of all, I think I know the answer to this question. What is your favorite team? I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. Really? So even yes. growing up in San Diego, you became a Buffalo Bills fan. Well, one of the big reasons, uh, you know, I'm so anti this um, kind of this movement is because I feel like the NFL – is really just anti-fan, and they're so anti-fan. That's because, like, that's the reason my team, my original team, the Chargers, was ripped away from me. Because the NFL has just become so corporatized, they don't care about the fans. And they're, you know, so focused on alienating fan bases. It makes no sense to me why you would move the conference championship game to a neutral site. Like, I'm more concerned with how that saying, you know, the saying that says, the road to the Super Bowl goes through... Blank. Like, for example, this year in the NFC, the road to the Super Bowl goes through Philadelphia. What are we going to start saying? The road to the Super Bowl goes through Philadelphia and then takes a detour to, you know, San like, Francisco. Like then to, no, I hate that. No, no, no. I think I, it's I, stupid. You think that's stupid? Look, back in the 60s, the road to the Super Bowl went through Green Bay. You had to be green. In the 70s, it was the Steelers. In the 80s, it was the Niners. In the 90s, no, no, no. I, I agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. Okay, so I we're, think, okay, okay, yeah. I think it you. should stay like the way it is now with home field advantage because I, I, I agree with you. I agree with everything you said, and I agree with everything Nick said that. You know, it, it completely diminishes the regular season. What's the point of winning home field advantage anymore, especially with the new playoff format? With the new playoff format, you know, only one team gets a bye, and that's the one seed. So yeah. the one seed only and, gets and one playoff that. game? Yeah, you absolutely. You have to earn that right. That's what ticks me off about this whole damn thing. And let's even set that aside for just a second from an organizational standpoint. You grew up in San Diego. Dude, I, by the way, when I lived in SoCal, Remember the old Murph, Jack Murphy Stadium? Absolutely. I, I, that place was built for football. Absolutely. Okay. Going down to Charger games were a riot. Uh, I got to a point where I'd go down to about one a year, and those were when the Chargers could score points, but they just couldn't 
right? They couldn't get over the hump. Yeah, the Don Coriel curse of, you know, high-flying offense but no defense. That's right. So there were some damn good Chargers teams in the 80s, right? They had that famous game against Miami with the hook and ladder. So let's say you're the Chargers, you're Dan Fouts, you got it going, Wes, you know, Chandler, Charlie Joyner, right on the whole Mushpuka. And the Chargers have a great year, and they're going to play the New England Patriots for the right to go to the Super Bowl. And it should be in San Diego, but because of this goofy rule, ah, oh, what the hell? They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna play it in the Metrodome, let's say. Dude, if you're living in San Diego, you you tell me that's not gonna piss you off? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I and you know, even being like kind of being a Buffalo Bills fan now, I think it's, you know, really annoying that First off, I think the neutral site game, they should have put it in an outdoor field. I really think they should have put it at Green Bay because both Kansas <laughs> City have... <laughs> and, you know, Buffalo are outdoor stadiums. Part of you the issue there is to... they don't have the infrastructure of the hotels. That's part of it. Yes, yeah. I, okay, I understand from that point. But even like Cincinnati or something, you know, or Cleveland. Fair enough. Fair where, enough. you know, you at least have Cleveland. the elements that would have played a factor in I'm... this championship game. I think you make a very good point. Yeah, I think it's watching the Super Bowl. I mean, I know you've been to a few of them, but watching yeah, the Super Bowl, watching the Super Bowl on TV, it looks so like the only word I can describe it is sterile. It, it just is. seems very. It sucks in person. They and run these, a play and then they're, they stand around for nine minutes and you realize, oh, wait, these are the commercials we're missing. And these new, like, TV, you know, these new stadiums are built almost like TV sets. Yeah. They're not built like football stadiums. They don't look like football stadiums. And I understand they're multi purpose use venues. So they have concerts, they have, you know, monster jams and whatever, whatever else rolls through there every other weekend. But. It just looks so bad, and I don't want I don't want to see the conference championship turn into the Super Bowl. Like the Super Bowl is the Super Bowl for what it is. I've accepted it. It's fine. But right, let's well, give the conference championship. Let's keep it focused on the fans and the teams that have earned the right to be there and host those games. All right, one quick question, yes or no, because this is going to go to a vote someday. Mark my words. 24 owners will have to ratify it after out of 32. Will they get the necessary vote someday? Yes or no? Mm, I I don't like having I don't really have a lot of faith in the NFL, but I would like to think no. I, I don't think uh, owners would be willing to give up the ticket revenue if they were to give a chance to uh, you know host that game because that's again that's that's like you mentioned that's revenue that they're losing that's revenue that the city is losing. That's revenue that. Well, they've made provisions for that. I, just, the, the homes, the, the two, the two participating cities are going to participate in the revenue. That's part of it. But okay, I, I'm going to take it as a no. I, I, I'm hoping you're right, uh, Nick Cope. Real quickly, would they get 24? Th this is going to go to a vote. This, the cynic in me says yes. And by the way, real quickly, okay. there's a note here in this Pro Football Talk article that currently teams don't make a bunch of money from conference championship games because a lot of the money gets reimbursed or, or di gets distributed to all the teams and that the only real That's profit true. they get is from parking, concessions, and ancillary hospitality. So that's, that's another true. small but uh, potentially not insignificant part in all this. But yes, the, the cynic in me says someday we're going to get there because they seem to want to. The thing that concerns me, and I think we could be heading down this road, final thought, is that this is the same type of argument that was crafted when they wanted to start to play games in Europe 20 years ago 
that these owners would lose a home game, but they believe for the greater good when the tide rises, all the boats rise, it would promote the league further. And, and frankly, it has grown the league, but this is a little different animal. I hope this does get resolved in a way that uh, doesn't piss us off too much. And on that note, coming up, speaking of pissing people off, Lamar Jackson has pissed a few people off. Baltimore has three options. What are they going to do with Lamar? I'll break it down for you. But first, let's go back to Nick Cope with the latest. All right, Bernie, let's quickly go through everything you need to know from Saturday. Of course, we had divisional round action in the NFL playoffs. Chiefs beat the Jags 27-20. Patrick Mahomes leaving in the first half, an injured ankle, got x-rays in the locker room. They were negative. He plays the second half, that right ankle all wrapped up, and he did all right. 195 yards, couple of touchdowns. Travis Kelsey with a career-high 14 receptions, 98 yards, two scores. Mahomes is set to have an MRI coming up on Sunday. Day. And in the NFC, the Eagles throttle the Giants 38-7. Philly putting this one away quickly. 28-zip at halftime. Jalen Hurts accounting for three touchdowns. The Philly defense held the Giants to just 227 total yards. In the NBA, Bucks star Giannis Antetokounmpo missed his fifth game in a row. A knee injury that he's been dealing with. Bucks fell to the Cavs 114-102. Sixers won their fifth in a row 129-127 over the Kings. No Joel Embiid or James Harden for Philly. Celtics won their ninth in a row as they fend off the Raptors on the road, 106-104. No Jason Tatum for Boston. College basketball, number 14 TCU handed number two Kansas their second consecutive loss, 83-60 the final in Lawrence. Number 11 Arizona ended number five UCLA's 14-game winning streak, 58-52 the win in Tucson. At the Australian Open, women's top seed Iga Fiontech fell in the round of 16 to last year's Wimbledon champ Elena Rybakina. Top American woman Jess Pagula is into the quarterfinals. She has not dropped a set in the Australian Open to this point. And on the men's side, Sebastian Corda, a seeded American, is into the quarterfinals. Knocked out the 10 seed, Hubert Hercatch to advance out of the round of 16. And in golf, the PGA Tour event in the Coachella Valley. John Rahm shot a 7 under 65. He moves into a tie atop the leaderboard with Tour rookie Davis Thompson heading into Sunday's final round. Bernie, back to you. All right, thanks, Nick. Lamar Jackson, doesn't matter where the game's played, he ain't playing. Since been since December 4th. So what is Baltimore going to do? They have three options, all right? And by the way, there is sort of this lingering sense in the Baltimore locker room that if Lamar Jackson would have been healthy last Sunday, the team could have not only won that game, but they could have won the Super Bowl. The defense was balling out. And instead, Monday rolled around. They had the final team meeting. The players go their separate ways. There are only three scenarios here regarding Lamar Jackson. One, give him the mega deal he wants. This is what Jackson wants. And if you believe the reports, by the way, the Ravens want to do something. They, they, look, it's it, the details get in the way because Baltimore allegedly offered $250 million, but they only guaranteed $133 million, only. The irony is if Lamar Jackson stays healthy, well, he's missed 10 of the last 22 games, and performs it a way that would be befitting of continuance on the Ravens roster because you know how the NFL is not for long. If you don't perform, then he'd end up getting the whole $250 million. But he wants what Deshaun Watson got from Cleveland, and I get it. Lamar Jackson says, hey, I've won an MVP. Watson never won an MVP. He had to get in trouble uh, with all these uh, civil suits and, and possible you know, criminal actions. And Deshaun Watson did. So I'm better than him. Give me the money, right? 
and complicating matters is Lamar Jackson is having an agent. Now, I'm told Steve Bashotti's not going to back down. He's not going to guarantee him that that amount that John Watson got for multiple reasons. First of all, it's bad business. It just is. The other thing, too, is is that I, I think he's already, you know, he's observed the backlash in Cleveland. God, he doesn't want that kind of smoke. And look, I, I like Lamar Jackson. I defended him coming out of Louisville. I think he's a better pocket passer than people give him credit for. I think he's a prolific athlete. He's a winner. You know what that Baltimore offense looks like without Lamar Jackson. They couldn't score in a women's prison with a fistful of 50s. And they have a great defense. So it's presumed that if Jackson would have been there, they might be in the Super Bowl or maybe in some neutral side conference championship game. No, they wouldn't have been in that because they wouldn't have qualified this year if you know if you get my drift but i'm off on a tangent so baltimore can give him a mega deal that's choice number one number two they can franchise tag him now keep an eye on this because this has a twist the ravens have until march 7th to tag jackson which would guarantee him a massive salary for one year about 45 million dollars not bad work but that might piss him off that might make lamar jackson unhappy but you can also use, the Ravens could also use something called a non-exclusive tag. That would be for about $32 million. That would allow Lamar Jackson to negotiate with other teams and potentially sign an offer sheet. And if he got an offer sheet, Ravens could then match that or let Jackson walk, and they would get draft picks in return. Did you follow that? The third thing is they could trade Lamar Jackson. But do you really want to trade a guy who's only 26 years old a franchise icon. You want to let him go and get virtually nothing back? Now, the closer you get to March 7th, you can hope against hope the sides make a deal. But the closer you get to March 7th, I believe it becomes more and more likely that Lamar Jackson is traded. I'm not predicting that. I'm just playing the law of averages. That if there's no deal and Jackson's future increasingly becomes a mystery, and I don't care that John Harbaugh steps up to the podium and says, 200% he's going to be here. That means nothing. That and 50 cents will get you a cup of coffee at White Castle. But the mere suggestion of trading Jackson a year ago, you'd have been first in line for a frontal lobotomy. However, now that's part of the conversation. What would a Lamar Jackson trade look like? What is the history in the National Football League of magnitude Issues of this nature when you've got a star quarterback in his prime about to be traded, potentially, and what are the ramifications? We'll show you what history tells us and what the thoughts would be in terms of what a trade of Lamar Jackson leaving the, the Ravens franchise would look like. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to the Bernie Frado Show on Fox Sports Radio. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Here back at the Bernie Frater Show. We're coming to you live from the TireAct.com studios here in Las Vegas. Take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. Top of the hour. What kind of brand new fool are you followed by what my name, the Dan Sensation Sweep in the Nation? Okay, the Ravens have three options with Lamar Jackson. Give him the mega deal, franchise tag him, or trade him. Now, going back a year, if the mere mention of trading Lamar Jackson would have graced your water cooler conversation, you would have uh, been, you know, remanded to the white coat crew most likely and certainly would be first in line for a frontal lobotomy. But in March, in March, Eric DaCosta said, hey, Jackson's a player who can help Baltimore win multiple Super Bowls. Okay. Hmm. You got to win one first. And then John Harbaugh, a couple months ago, said he's going to be playing quarterback here for a long time. But here's a little problem. Jackson failed to finish the season for a second straight year because of injuries. Matter of fact, if you're scoring at home, and I hope you are, Jackson's been sidelined for 10 of Baltimore's past 22 games, including playoffs. And if the Ravens are convinced they can't reach a deal with Jackson. They're going to have to consider trading him either this offseason or next. Now, it's difficult to believe that Baltimore would let Jackson play the next two seasons under the tag and then hit free agency in 2025 and be content with getting a third-round compensatory pick in return. That wouldn't be good if you're Baltimore. And it's, it's a little unknown how much draft capital Baltimore would really accrue by dealing Jackson, but... Look, just last year, the Seattle Seahawks, when they dealt Russell Wilson, they received two first-round picks and two second-rounders from Bronco, the Broncos. And remember, Russell Wilson's 33. Lamar Jackson, who's only 26, the market, you would think, would, 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 uh, would, would net a much higher return for Lamar Jackson. Now, a couple of years ago, remember, Houston traded Deshaun Watson, and they also traded a 2024 sixth-round pick to the Browns, but they got three first-round picks in 22, 23, and 24 
a third-round pick in 22, and a fourth-round pick in 24. So they got themselves a nice haul. Here's the kicker. Because it was right there front and center for everybody to see. For what it's worth, neither Denver nor Cleveland got a positive return on their investment, at least in the first year of their huge mega quarterback deals. Russell Wilson struggled mightily last season. He had a 37 QBR. That ranked 27th. He got a $250 million deal. How's that working out? Broncos won just five games. And they had a good defense. Make no mistake, through 10 games that the Broncos merely averaged 19 points per game in regulation in those 10 games, the Broncos would have started out 9-1. and one. To boot, adding to the disaster was the fact that the Broncos ended up firing their first-year coach, Nathaniel Hackett, which was probably the highlight of their season. That had to happen. Don't, you know, take up a collection plate. He'll get a job at the NFL. He's an offensive mind. He just hit the classic Peter principle. Meanwhile, Deshaun Watson, and you know why, only played six games after serving the suspension for violating the NFL's personal conduct policy on all those, you know, massage therapists, as it were. But even when Deshaun Watson was on the field, he threw a whopping seven touchdowns and five interceptions and finished with a QBR of 38, which ranked one ahead of Russell Wilson. Wilson ranked 27th in QBR, QBR and Deshaun Watson uh, ranked 26th at 38. Now, frankly, trading Lamar Jackson would represent a fairly unprecedented move in the National Football League. Why do I say that? It's not that this hasn't happened before. As a matter of fact, if you go back to the merger, there have been a total of nine trades involving NFL quarterbacks who were actually former MVPs. It happened the first time it ever happened, way back when, getting the hot tub time machine. Say hello to Roman Gabriel of the Los Angeles Rams, a damn good quarterback. He was traded. He'd won an MVP. Matt Ryan, remember, just two years ago, was traded to Indianapolis. He's a former MVP quarterback, even though you might not think it, but he's been around since 2008. Matt Ryan's won an MVP and been to a Super Bowl. Now, the kicker. None, none of the nine quarterbacks that were that were former NFL MVPs who ultimately ended up getting traded were under the age of 30. Lamar Jackson is under the age of 30. He wants to be guaranteed Deshaun Watson money even though he's hurt all the time. Steve Bashotti ain't backing down. Grab your popcorn, folks. This is a story we'll be watching. And keep in mind, March 7th, if they decide to franchise tag him or try to trade him before then. That's where this starts to get fun. Coming up, the dance sensation sweep of the nation. Keep it locked right here. This is the Bernie Frado Show on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. That's right. You heard the man. Bernie Frado Show keeps rolling right along. We're coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Well, we've come to that time of the week, the dance sensation sweep in the nation. You know what? You love it. You can't live without it. Buckle up, everybody. Here we go. Another run. What kind of brand new fool are you? So, 
What kind of brand new fool are you? You know, every day, every week, every month in this great land of ours and across the globe, somebody does something that leaves you scratching your head that can only be concluded. It, 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 it can only be ascertained as a situation where you ask yourself, what kind of brand new fool are you? So... This week, let's go to Yakima, Washington. Ladies and gentlemen, meet David W. Sharp of Yakima, Washington. He's under arrest for a drive-by shooting and threatening employees after police say he became enraged, wait for it, that a local Taco Bell was closed and wouldn't serve him. The Taco Bell employees say they were closing the restaurant in Yakima, Washington, where this little flatbed pickup drives up to the window about 2 a.m. to order some food. After telling Mr. Sharp they were closed, the you know, according to the report, he became immensely upset, screaming he would break their windows if they didn't serve him food. Then he said he began pounding on the front doors of the restaurant, saying he was going to break in. A few minutes after he left, the employees saw the pickup parked nearby. Well, one of the employees said... They heard a gunshot, so they called 911. It turns out they were shooting at them. Police quickly were able to locate Mr. Sharp, and inside of the truck, the police say they found a 9mm pistol with a loaded magazine in a bullet chamber. Yes, he'd been firing at them. They found 9mm casings in the front windshield, multiple shell casings around the center console, and after the officers investigated the Taco Bell store, they found a bullet hole in the building as well, and a second round that grazed an exterior wall. So there you have it. A man shoots up a Taco Bell in Yakima, Washington, by the name of David Sharp, because they wouldn't serve him food. And all I can say is this. Mr. David Sharp, what kind of brand new fool are you? Nick Cope, you're up. Surely there had to have been another Taco Bell he could have tried to go to. <laughs> well, you'd think so, but don't call me Shirley. You got the floor. <laughs> I won't. All right, Bernie, we're going to the Bay State and the town of Wilbraham. It's a suburb of Springfield, Mass., where at Minichog Regional High School, the lights have been on for nearly a year and a half straight, and it's costing local taxpayers thousands of dollars each month. So about a decade ago, the school installed a new lighting system System, which, ironically enough, was built to save money. It's an automated system <laughs> using highly efficient LED and fluorescent lights. They'd automatically dim during the day when the sun was out. You needed less of the artificial light. They would go off during the night. Well, in August of 2021, the system failed, and the lights have defaulted to being on at full power ever since, day and night. The teachers don't have any control in their rooms, and they've actually had to resort to unscrewing light bulbs themselves so they could show videos and movies to their students. Apparently, there's no manual override for the software, so no one can control the lights inside. But at the same time, as I'm reading this, I'm like, there's got to be a breaker box and so you can at least turn them off at night and then you know flip a switch and get the whole thing back going in the morning. Is the access to the breaker box automated? So some questions there, but... 
The reason this is in the news is supposedly they're going to finally have it fixed in the next month. Supply chain issues with factories in China shut down because of the pandemic. Uh, so only in a few weeks are they finally going to get the necessary parts for the fix. But to me, it sounds like there's multiple fools here, Bernie, in that you've got the original stallers of the system, and, and that company has apparently changed hands several times <laughs> from when the, the the lights were installed to the point when it when it failed. So the school had to go through all that to figure out, hey, which company do we actually call to get this figured out? But how do they not figure out something in the meantime to make sure lights just aren't on overnight. So I I just see a lot of fools all the way around. Just kind of a dumb story that didn't need to happen, but here we are. <laughs> well, fair enough, Nick. Well done. But I have a question. I mean, I mean, I'm a simple guy, right? I mean, hell, I had a Lunchables for dinner last night. I'm a simple guy. Couldn't they call an electrician? Hello? You'd think. It, 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 there's some questions that need answering here. It seems ridiculous that... We need answers. A year and a half goes by and the lights are just still on. <laughs> All right. Good job, Nick. All right, Brandon True for your turn, buddy. Well, Nick, the lights, the lights are always on here at Fox Sports Radio, wouldn't you say? But we yeah. have people working in the building, though. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm just saying. I got you. Well, you're always you're always two steps ahead of us, Brandon. All right. So we're going to Michigan for this next story. Ah. Bernie, can you help me out with the pronunciation of this county? Otsego County? Otsego, yeah. O-T-S-E-G-O, yes. Yes, sir. Otsego County, Michigan. So authorities on Thursday, they arrested a person. They pulled her over uh, because she was, she was under the suspicion of drunk driving. Okay, so they stopped a woman and for operating while intoxicated, an OWI, and they told the woman, hey, you can call a friend who can maybe come pick you up. So the woman calls a friend, the friend arrives, and she is also charged with operating while intoxicated. So it's a two for one. The MSP 7th <laughs> District Police Department. Last night, troopers from, from the Gaylord Post stopped a woman for suspected OWI. The woman called a friend to help during the stop. The friend arrived and was also arrested for an OWI. Both had actually been drinking together earlier while playing bar trivia. So a two for one for Otsego County, Michigan. Uh, 7th District uh, Police Department. Well, they say no good deed goes unpunished, right? That's like right. unreal. Uh, you can't make this stuff up, folks. That's why uh, people get such a kick out of this. It's a little every week. brand new. What kind of brand new fools are you right there? That's right. Plural. I, both, good, good job, guys. Uh, craziness. Uh, lights are on. Nobody's home. Oh, don't drink and drive, people. Just don't. All right. That'll do it for, of course, the another rousing edition of uh, of, uh, of What Kind of Brand New Fool Are You, which leads us to our second favorite, which we lovingly refer to as What My Name. Okay, ready to go, guys? All right. Tonight, Andy Reid. Last night, Andy Reid won his 20th playoff game as a head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. He tied me at 20 for second all-time. Nick Cope, what my name? Um, Bill Belichick. Belichick's actually number one. He's got like 31, but not a bad guess. Okay, Andy Reid with the Chiefs. When the Chiefs beat Jacksonville Saturday, 
That was Andy Reid's 20th win as a head coach in the National Football League playoffs. Good for second of all time. Tied with me, Brandon Truffaut. What my name? I'm going to go with Bill Cower. Not a bad guess. He wouldn't run long enough, but not, not a bad guess. It's actually Tom Landry. Tom Landry, former Dallas Cowboys coach Tom Landry. All right. This last Monday, Sean Payton was interviewed by several members of the Denver Broncos, including one famous political person, me, what my name, Nick Cope. Was it Condoleezza Rice? It was Condoleezza Rice. She's everywhere. I mean, Stanford. Nicely done. Not to be confused with Jerry Rice. All right. No. I own the record for quarterbacking the longest touchdown drive in Chiefs playoff history. 98 yards. Brandon Trufa, what my name? Oh, um, Alex Smith. Well, good, good, good guess. Not Alex Smith. All right, I own the record for quarterbacking the longest touchdown drive in Chiefs playoff history. 98 yards. Nick Cope, what my name? It was today. Chad Henney, baby. There you go. There you go. All right, now you're just showing off. It was actually, it was actually yesterday, but nicely done. Oh, sorry. I'm still operating under. Uh... Listen, I do the same thing. <laughs> I sign on 11 p.m. Saturday night, and it's Saturday night out here Pacific time, but, you know, mm-hmm. relative. And I can't tell how many times I started doing the show, I'd say, tomorrow, tomorrow. Well, no, it's not tomorrow. The NFL kicks off again 10 hours from, 10 hours from now, today, later today. Okay, continuing on. As a former Dallas Cowboys quarterback back in the early 70s, I coined the phrase, Hail Mary. Brandon Trufa, what my name? Roger Staubach. Look at you guys. Now you're really just showing off. Nicely done. Bonus points. Who did he throw that Hail Mary pass to to beat the Vikings? Brandon or Nick Cope, what my name? Oh, boy. I have no idea. <laughs> All right. Bonus points. Brandon Trufa, you win the Feast of the Seven Fishes if you get this. Who did he throw um, the touchdown pass to? What my name? Um, da, I'm going to go with... Michael Irvin. It's actually know. Drew Pearson. <laughs> Drew Pearson. Ir- Irvin's not hey, a bad guess. Name out. He, he was pr- yeah. Yeah, nicely done. I think Irvin was probably one year old at the time. Maybe I don't know. What is it, man? But you got a name. Good you guys are doing well. All right, final one. This week in 2011, I outdueled Tom Brady to lead my Jets to the AFC Championship game, throwing for three touchdown passes. Nick Cope, what my name? The Sanchez. Mark Sanchez. Uh, excellent job, guys. Five out of six tonight. Great job. Pre-butt fumble, Mark Sanchez. Pre-butt, pre-butt fumble. Mark Sanchez, the pride of Mission Viejo High School and your USC Trojans. Where'd you go to college, Nick? Boston University. No, the Terriers. The Terriers. Wow, you've been around. I have. So how did you end up at Boston University from San Francisco? I just wanted to do something different. Uh, everyone I knew was sticking around in California. Um, I'd been to the East Coast. My dad worked, would go back east and, and travel, and we would tag along with him as a kid. So I was like, that. I always enjoyed it. So yeah. I thought, why not for school, just get out? And it, it was great. Boston's a great town to oh, go to I've been school. there many, many. I know the city very, very well. Uh, yes, sir. It's that's a great experience for yeah. someone to grow up on the West Coast to live back east for a few years. It's an entirely different lifestyle. How about you, Brandon? Where'd you go to college? The greatest college of all time, San Diego State University. The, the Aztecs, the home of Tony Gwynn, right? 
Tony Gwynn, Marshall Falk. Marshall, Marshall Kawhi Falk. Leonard. Look at you. Keep going. I'll just get out of the, ladies and gentlemen, the Brandon Trufa show. No, San Diego State's a great school. Yeah, it's wonderful. Great school. It really is. Um, Rest in peace, Tony Gwynn. Yes, absolutely. All right, that's going to do it. Another rousing edition, of course, of uh, of uh, what my name and a brand new fool. You got to wait 167 hours and 50 minutes, folks, for next week. But yes, we will be back, regaling the nation with uh, with with uh, you know these two features coming up. Bottom of the hour, Chris Perfett's world of soccer. In the meantime, I am secretly hoping you're not supposed to have a rooting interest, but I, I kind of do. That we have a new Super Bowl champ this year. Okay, it's not going to be the 49ers or Dallas. Matter of fact, those two have combined to be in 16 Super Bowls, and they both won multiple. Philly just won a few years ago with the Philly Special, right? We know Kansas City's won one, more than one. Everybody forgets, you know, Joe Namath beat the Chiefs in Super Bowl three. Uh, no, Joe Namath beat the beat the Colts in Super Bowl three, but the following year, Lenny Dawson and that great Kansas City Chiefs team, after losing to Green Bay in Super Bowl one, came back in Super Bowl four and beat the Vikings. Everybody forgets about that. And then, of course, just a few years ago, the Chiefs beat your 49ers, Nick. So that leaves the Bengals and that leaves the Bills. I'm secretly hoping one of those two teams wins the Super Bowl. Can they do it? Well, I'll tell you why the Bills can and why they might not. I'll tell you why the Bengals can and why they might not. Coming up. And, uh, again, fingers crossed. We'll see what happens. Hey, football fans, be sure to tune in to Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM every Saturday and Sunday morning, three hours before kickoff. Tune in Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern and Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern as we take you live all the way to kickoff on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app presented by BetMGM. I'm Bernie Frado. We are coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas, Nevada. So stick and stay. Keep it locked. You're listening to the Bernie Frado Show on Fox Sports Radio. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, 
We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. All right, back on the Bernie Friday Show. Coming to you live from the TireAct.com studios here in Las Vegas. As I mentioned a minute ago, there are two teams that I would like to see in this tournament that have neither have won a Super Bowl, one is Cincinnati, and one is Buffalo. Now, the great actress Lily Tomlin, uh, who's coming up on that Brady movie, once said, I always wanted to be somebody in life. I just wish I'd been more specific. That's how you get to be somebody in the National Football League. Buffalo deserves a lot of respect for going to four Super Bowls. They lost them all. Still, why would the Bills win the Super Bowl this year? Well, they're the most complete team in football. The DVO ranks speak for themselves. Second on offense, fourth on defense, first on special teams. When you're that good in all three phases, you can win a game in any number of ways. Some teams are really good at one thing. Buffalo is better than most of their opponents in almost everything, and they get the game Sunday at home against the visiting Cincinnati Bengals. They're a little too reliant on Josh Allen, and Allen's been superhuman, and Allen does everything on offense. And But under Sean McDermott, I still think he wants the Bills to be a defensive first team. Now, the Bills are very good against the run, not as good against the pass recently. They don't have a great star rusher since Von Miller got hurt. And remember, losing DeMar Hamlin, it was tragic in the way it happened, but they did miss his production on the field as well. And remember, he replaced uh, uh, Hyde. He repl- uh, uh, Curtis Hyde, whatever. I, forgive me. Micah Hyde. I'm sorry. Who the hell is Curtis Hyde? I don't know. Micah Hyde. And Tredavious White has taken a while to see the field, and he's not at his best. So, vul- so Bolt- Buffalo is a little vulnerable against opposing receivers when you have cluster injuries. And defense has taken a step back in the last couple years. They've been leaky to explosive plays. How the hell does Skylar Thompson, the Miami Dolphins, come in there and put up 31 points last week? And as I mentioned earlier in the show, Josh Allen has 22 turnovers this year, 19 in the regular season, three in the wild card game. So Buffalo may be the most complete team, but there's reasons why they might not win it as well. And it's going to be interesting to see how Buffalo does when they get into the red zone against Cincinnati. Cincinnati's tremendous between the 20s, but when you get to the red zone, they're going to bracket you. They're going to press you. Cincinnati's red zone defense is fourth in the National Football League when it comes to giving up touchdowns. Buffalo cannot turn the ball over against this team Sunday, and Buffalo's been prone to turning the ball over this year. 16% of their possessions have ended up in turnovers. That's good. That ranks for 31st in that level of efficiency in the National Football League, just ahead of the Indianapolis Colts. All right. So one of the two are going to advance to the conference championship game, Cincinnati and or Buffalo. So if Buffalo can't win the Super Bowl, can Cincinnati? Yes, they can. They were one or two plays away from winning it last year. And frankly, I think this team is better on both sides of the ball by the numbers. It all starts with Joe Cool. Now, Joe Burrow took last year's success, got even better. He's reduced his sack rate. He's increased in touchdowns. 
They were overcommitted to the run last year. Now they're a little bit more efficient. You know, they run the ball not as well, but they're a pass-heavy offense, and uh, their their pass protection is not great. I get it, and and I I know here it comes. They're down three offensive linemen Sunday, and that's going to be a problem. Well, hell, come on. Joe Burrow, they had offensive line issues last year. Didn't stop Burrow from completing almost 70% of his passes, averaging 27 points a game. This is a dude, Joe Burrow, gets the damn ball out of his hands. And part of it's their scheme. They run a lot of fade stop routes. They run a lot of quick strikes, screens. Their passes, their passing game is pristine. He gets the ball out of his hand. And defensively, Cincinnati is very opportunistic, especially when it comes to turnovers. In their playoff games in the Joe Burrow era, they've turned the ball over. They've turned their opponent over 11 times. By the way, the Bengals' defense is good against the run as long as you got a healthy DJ Reader. And I love their, their defensive coordinator. First, I like his name. Makes the all-name team. Lou Anarumo. I think he worked with Mel Sharples back in the day, didn't he? But he's a brilliant. Lou Anarumo does not get enough credit, in my opinion, for as someone who makes incredible in-game adjustments. Go back to the second half of Cincinnati's last 25 games and look at the aggregate scores. That's Lou Anarumo's adjustments. Okay, the Bengals do have one major flaw. They had it last year, and they have it now. This could prevent them from winning it. Yes, I, I, it sounds like I'm contradicting myself, but you've got to have an offensive line. Football's all about blocking and tackling. The rest are details. They spent the offseason trying to fix it, but the line's still decimated by energies. Lyle Collin was out first for the season. Then it was Alex Kappa. Now Jonah Williams. Both are question marks. Cluster injuries, that can kill a team's chances. And the offensive line issues couldn't have returned at a worse time. Also, their defense is missing uh, their star corner, uh, Chidobe Awuze, and the Bengals have struggled to defend the pass without him. And, and believe it or not, the Bengals actually have allowed the second highest explosive pass rate the back half of the season, so their secondary is beatable, and it's thin. Their defense has been elite at home, but they're not at home. They rank just 22nd on the road. So you're going to be heavily relying on Burrow, Joe Mixon, and Chase to keep up they can. They, that offense can keep up with anybody. They did go a little ice cold against Baltimore, but that's a more elite defense, I believe, than Buffalo's is. Nearly cost Cincinnati the season, but they made the great play. Sam Hubbard, pride, I think he went to Moeller High, I think went to Ohio State. Maybe he can come up with another one. Look, Zach Taylor's done a good job. He's got a, He's got a few detractors, but look, if the Bengals can keep Joe Burrow upright long enough, and, get, and maybe even draw a Buffalo in a track meet. Cincinnati can win a track meet. And this game's really got me intrigued Sunday. Um, later today, excuse me. We're, we're talking about nine and a half hours from now, Buffalo and Cincinnati. I, I, I'm going to repeat the prediction I made earlier in the show. That if the Bengals can force two turnovers against Buffalo, they'll win the game outright. We shall see. Coming up, Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. But first, let's go back to our guy, the former Boston Terrier. And a bulldog in his own right, Nick Cope with the latest. You got that right, Bernie. Thank you very much. In the NFL, divisional round action on Saturday. Chiefs top the Jaguars 27-20. to couple 10-point leads throughout the game for the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes playing through that injured ankle. He threw for 195 yards, couple of touchdowns, 14 catches for Travis Kelsey, couple of touchdowns for him as well. 
Mahomes is set to have an MRI coming up on Sunday, and they'll await the winner of the Bengals and Bills matchup coming up in less than about 10 hours from now. In the NFC, Eagles dominating the Giants. They led 28-0 at the half, go on to win 38-7. Three total touchdowns for Jalen Hurts. Eagles await the winner of 49ers and Cowboys. That'll be the late game coming up on this Sunday. In the NBA, Celtics make it nine in a row as they beat the Raptors 106 to 104. Bucks star Giannis Antetokounmpo missed his fifth game in a row with a knee injury, and the Bucks fell to the Cavs 114 to 102. Sixers make it five in a row, and they do it without Joel Embiid or James Harden. 129-127, the final score over the Kings. College basketball: four ranked teams lost on Saturday. Number 11 Arizona ended number five UCLA's 14-game win streak, 58-52, the final score in Tucson. Number 14 TCU. Handed number two Kansas a second straight loss, 83 to 60. The final score that one in Lawrence, Oklahoma State knocked off number 12 Iowa State, 61-59, and Duke beat number 17 Miami, 68 to 66. At the Australian Open, the top American woman, the three seed Jess Pagula, is into the quarterfinals. Jess Pagula of the Pagula family that owns the Buffalo Bills, she has not dropped a set in the tournament just yet. And in golf at the PGA Tour event. In the Coachella Valley, John Rahm, a 7-under 65 on Saturday, puts him into a tie atop the leaderboard with tour rookie Davis Thompson as they go into Sunday's final round. Bernie, back to you. That's awesome. He still has time to produce Godlieb's show, too. Oh, wait, that's John Ramos. I love John Ramos. All right, good stuff tonight, Nick. Uh, all right. At this time every week, we continue our tradition Going on 16 months now, the World Cup may have come and gone, but there is never a shortage of storylines, news, and updates, which is why we bring you, at this time, Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. The greatest goals. The thrilling finishes. The international drama. It's all here in this report from the world of soccer. Real quick, there's a couple small news and notes I want to get to before we get into the big stories. The first bit of news is that Brian McBride, general manager for the U.S. men's national team, will not be returning in that position in 2023. So the U.S. men's national team right now looking for a different general manager. Uh, the review of coach Greg Berhalter, we've talked about that in the past. It's still an ongoing uh, investigation, still an ongoing situation. No news out of there yet. We'll update you on the U.S. men's team in a future world of soccer as that drama continues to unfold, but nothing new there yet. Meanwhile, a very funny incident with Italian club Juventus. They were hit with a 15-point deduction over transfer dealings uh, violations conducted by the club. It's funny funny in this regard. The prosecutors actually originally wanted a 9-point deduction from their standings in the Serie A table, but the Federation decided to hand them 15 points. That drops them from a top four position, which qualifies them for Champions League next year, all the way down to about 10th place, top 
tied with about four or five other clubs, well out of range of any European international consideration. This isn't the first time Juventus has been dinged for rules violations, and but it's a huge one, especially with only 20 games to play in the Serie A season, and Juventus being one of the largest clubs in Italy. So we'll keep an eye on that, but let's move on to our main stories. The biggest rivalry for players came to a conclusion. Messy, weird, and quite out of place, and probably the only way I think it really could have. When Paris Saint-Germain traveled to Saudi Arabia to play the club Al Nasser on Thursday, yes, that's Thursday with the club season fully underway, to play a friendly in the middle of the week, why? Well, why? The Saudis had played had paid $10 million for an exhibition game with PSG. PSG agreed to it because, in spite of being owned by Qatar, they need all the revenue they can get to stay within uh, spending regulations in Europe. However, COVID-19 uh, restrictions had pushed this back. So suddenly in the, in the middle of January, in the 2023 calendar, in a crammed calendar place, we have PSG in Saudi Arabia playing a friendly against Al Nasser, which meant Lionel Messi with PSG against Cristiano Ronaldo, the, the, the man who just moved to Saudi Arabia for a lot of money probably for the last time. It used to be every year we'd get this. It used to be every year we'd get Messi with Barcelona and, and Cristiano Ronaldo with Real Madrid squaring off against each other. It was a one last glance we might have of this. However, this game probably wasn't the first thing on Paris Saint-Germain's mind, given that they've slipped to a meager three-point lead in French League One earlier in the week, and they have a French Cup game to play on Monday. They're, as I said, busy time of the year. Probably not the first game on their mind, but when you're getting paid a lot of money by the Saudis, you're expected to start a lot of your starters. So that meant, here we go, one last time. This game was pretty hard to get unless you paid about $4 on YouTube, I believe. Uh, PSG played poorly, but not Messi. Messi scored within the first three minutes of the game, then converted a penalty, which Mbappe took and scored on. However, in the second half, they were down to about 10, man, 10 men. Neymar missed an easy penalty. It was a messy game for them. Ronaldo, on the other hand, scored two goals, one off a penalty and another in the first half. And those counted for his first goals since coming to Saudi Arabia. It was a fun match. I wouldn't call it exactly a barn burner. I wouldn't, I'm not going to call it down the classic. Uh, both Messi and Ronaldo were subbed out in the 60th minute. The atmosphere from the stadium was considered very casual for the two. But papers across, across Europe were not as happy about that. They called it a sorry state of affairs for a final match between two of the greatest of all times that we've seen play in this generation. But I'm not sure if it's really the final one. Given how much money there is in Saudi Arabia, how much they've thrown around, it's not impossible to believe that they're going to seek out another one of these matches, knowing full well the power of having Messi and Ronaldo on the same pitch squaring off against each other, even as both stars are entering your sunsetting periods, especially with Ronaldo playing in Saudi Arabia. As we've long documented, the Saudis like throwing around their money, especially in the world of sports. One other place they might be able to do that is in the United Kingdom, where one of the biggest clubs in the world is finally entering its endgame for a sale that supporters have long anticipated. We're entering a very interesting time in the Premier League where some of the biggest clubs are up for sale. Liverpool might be going up for sale at some point, depending on the rumors you might believe. But right now, it's all about Manchester United. Yes, Manchester United, once the greatest club in the world, who has been falling on a lot 
lot of hard times. And a lot of it comes back to an ownership group who I believe might be the most hated in the world. And I am talking about the Glazer family. The same Glazer family who also owns the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the NFL, they've long owned Manchester United and they've long bit at heads with Manchester United supporters about that ownership. And it all started when the Glazers bought the club back in 2005. At that time, Manchester United had been floated on the London Stock Exchange for over 14 years. But the Glazers bought the club and took them private. They bought them for about 790 million pounds. However, the key was they only invested 270 million of their own money into the deal and borrowed against United, almost half a billion against United, which immediately crippled the club with debt. Up until that point, Manchester United had been debt-free, and over the years, debt repayments and interest were added to the mix, along with some ter terrible deals, and this ultimately is what upset a lot of the supporters more than Manchester United's flagging performances. They haven't won the Premier League in over 10 years, and they haven't won Champions League since, I believe, 2008, and quite honestly, they've had a lot of uneven performances, but many Man U supporters will, will use the phrase, love United, hate Glazer, and they and they were long against this idea that Man U was a cash cow to be to be take out debt against to use to fund other ventures for the Glazer family. They, Manchester United long felt used in this regard by their by their supporters, and protests have gone almost seemingly over a decade. With probably the most famous coming in 2021, when Man U fans stormed the field before a Man U-Liverpool match and forced the game to be delayed. Now, however, all of those actions seem to have finally brought Man U to the table and United may very well be sold. So who's up at the table? Well, I mentioned the Saudis. Yes, they own Newcastle United right now. However, we will never discount the Saudis from owning a club, especially one as lucrative as Manchester United. Joining the pool this week was one of the wealthiest men in Britain, billionaire Sir Jim Ratcliffe, owner of the chemical chemical company Ineos. Already been rumored for a while, 19th richest man in the world, real estate mogul Armancio Ortega, a consortium known as the Red Knights, led by former Goldman Sachs boss and United fan Lord Jim Neal. The capital group for the ruling family of Dubai. Remember that Manchester City is actually owned by the ruling family of Abu Dhabi, another city in the United Arab Emirates. And of course, the one who gets a lot of press is former United footballer David Beckham. He doesn't really have the money himself to make a purchase, but he could very well be a public face or a minority owner for one of these groups. We'll keep an eye on that. Supporters must be happy as the Glazer era may finally be coming to an end. And that's the world of soccer. Well, there you have it. We bring this to you every week. As I said, the World Cup may be behind us, the Women's World Cup around the corner. Coming to North America in four years, there is always news in this worldwide sport that some call football, we call soccer. Chris Perfett's World of Soccer, we bring it to you every week. Coming up, we wrap up the show, and I talked a lot about the Bengals and Bills and the ramifications there having all the way to do with whether or not one of them will have to play a neutral site game. You get the picture. Don't need to revisit that again. However, let's talk about the other game. Dallas visits San Francisco in what has 
over the last 50 years almost always been some sort of historic storyline. But in this particular case, the schedule maker didn't do the Cowboys any favors. I will explain why. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios, the TireRack.com studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. All right, we're back on the Bernie Fratto Show, wrapping up the Bernie Fratto Show. We're coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas, Nevada, Fox Sports Radio. Before going any further, I want to thank my broadcast team. They've been with me since 11 p.m. Saturday night, January 21st. We are now into January 22nd. Yes, sir. All day long. In what, nine hours and 11 minutes? Uh, the NFL will resume its divisional weekend, and a few hours after that, it will continue to resume. Department of Redundancy Department, we talked a lot about Buffalo-Cincinnati. That'll be the first game Sunday. The second game, wrapping it up, 3.30 Pacific, 6.30 Eastern, will be Dallas and San Francisco. Game played in San Francisco, and as I mentioned earlier, the schedule makers did the Cowboys no favors. The Cowboys just had to play a Monday night road playoff game. They looked pretty good doing it, actually. Now, this is going to be followed up by a second road playoff game. This is Sunday. Two plane rides. So the Cowboys play a road playoff game Monday night. Go home. Get some rest. Have a little Cincinnati chili or something like that. Then they had to head to San Francisco. Two plane rides. Meanwhile, the 49ers get two extra days to prepare. Now, in the last 30 instances in the National Football League, 
when a team wins a road Monday night game, then has to travel for a second week in a row to play a second consecutive road game versus an opponent who has, and they have less days to prepare than their opponent, they're 3-27 straight up. However, juxtapose that against the fact that the Niners are currently riding an 11-game winning streak, but the last 14 teams in the National Football League to try to turn that 11-game winning streak into a 12-game winning streak, they're only 1-13 against the spread. That's why I don't want anything to do with the side on this game. Cowboys currently catching 3.5 from the 49ers. Having said that, you know about prop bets. We talk about these things. Everybody's heard of those. And Super Bowl rolls around. There's about 1,100 ways to bet a proposition bet. One of the best ones I see Sunday has to do with Dak Prescott. And it has to do with whether or not he's going to rush for more or less than 16 yards on Sunday. Now, there's been a lot of talk from Jerry Jones and others referencing Dak that he should be running more, which is maybe a minor reason why I think you'd like this prop to go over. Here's the key, the more important key. In the last six weeks, Dak is starting to run the ball a little bit more, and the market hasn't caught on. His first seven games, he only ran the ball two or three times a game, was rushing for about 10 yards a game. The last six games, Dak's you know running the ball. Part of these are scrambles. Part of these are design runs. About six times a game for almost 23 yards. And here's what's interesting, because even so if you blend the two, Dak is averaging four carries for 16 yards a game on the season. He only has to get 17 yards. Now, this bodes well. If Dak, you, you can bet Dak to rush over 16 yards, which is my suggestion. This bodes well when you consider the matchup against the 49ers defense. He has allowed 28 rushing yards to Geno Smith in the wild card round and then 34 yards to Jared Stidham back in Week 17. And Dak Prescott is willing and able to run, all right? He's posted at least, Prescott has posted at least 16 rushing yards in five of his, six, five of his past six games, and at least 20 yards in four of his past six, with a medium of 21.5 over that span. So I'm projecting... Prescott for 23 rushing yards, 25 rushing yards Sunday night. By the way, I might have forgot. Did I mention? I, I haven't thanked my crew who've been with me since 11 p.m. on Saturday night. That would be uh, Nick Cope on the updates. That'd be Brandon Trufa. And, of course, Mark Ramsey. Great job, guys. Turning all the dials, keeping us glued together. Great job on what my name. Brand new fool. Yucking it up as to whether or not the NFL will ever Go to a neutral conference championship game. We hope they don't. I do think it will go to an owner's vote. But in the meantime, two great games as the divisional playoffs resume here in just about nine hours. Cincinnati visits Buffalo, and San Francisco will host Dallas. There you have it. We only have five games remaining in the National Football League, and that will conclude the 2022 season. A little bit bittersweet, just a couple of weeks away from the Super Bowl. That, folks, is going to do it for this week's edition of the Bernie Fratto Show, but I want you to keep it locked right here. Up next, the great Andy Furman on Fox Sports Radio. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.